The world always has an original, whether it is in art or whether it is in every day. What happens if this is replicated and remade? Does it live up to the original? The Literary License Podcast explores the world of the original and remake as we explore and see if the remake truly stands up to the original. With your host Joe Randazzo, John Wilson, Vicky Ray, and Keith Chago, where they ask the question, does the remake live up to the original? Welcome to Let's Your License Podcast in Season 6, when we start our make-remake for Season 6, which will be Batman from 1989, and Batman Begins from 2014. Five. Five. 2005, okay. God, Did you watch the wrong couple. one? <laughs> no, there's only one Bat- There's only one Batman Begins, so only one Chris Nolan. So before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Vicky Ray with us. Hello, Vicky. Hi, everybody. We got Joe Rendazzle. Hello, Joe. Hey, everyone. And John Wilson will be with us later, but unfortunately, he's tied up at the moment. Um, hopefully, by someone good looking. So, oh, before please. we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. Let's start off with you, Vicky. What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Oh God, it's been so long. Um, not any, not a whole lot. I was telling yesterday our gruesome interview, probably thing. I lead a very boring life. Um, not much. Uh, Asher's taking a break from sports. We're just getting ready. Well, it's pumpkin time, so we're doing all things pumpkin. You know, all the all the pumpkin stuff is going on. So, and it's Halloween time. We can wear our pumpkins in our head and feel t-shirts and watch all of our scary shit. Um, what did I start watching? Um, I started watching Hulu's Haunted History. Pretty good. I think I'm up to get the Battle of Gettysburg. Pretty cool shit so far. I really like. Oh, this are those the old History Channel things? Just on. I don't know or? where they come from. Hulu's got them on, but it's like haunted history, and a are lot of it's new- pretty good. Are they newer or, or older? I think that they're probably older because mm-hmm. they were mentioning stuff that probably was pre-COVID. So I'm assuming it's pre-COVID stuff. But I just yeah. love that kind of crap anyway. I've always loved those too. That uh, I've got to check it out. Hulu's got a good one. Hulu's got a good one. I remember, you might have I remember seen them. Then again, they had a couple things on there that I hadn't seen, so it was worth watching. And I totally nice. binge watched Cobra Kai like a little bitch, could not stop. And I don't know, I'm not going to give anything away, but Keith seems to think there might be a season six coming. I think they're going to beat the hell out of it past season six. I think that that's all they're going to get out of it is one more season. I read if somewhere, um, I read somewhere yesterday that there's talk about bringing Hillary Swank into it. Yeah. Why not? Well, she's Go doing other things, but kid. why not? They brought everybody else back, you know? Yeah. I think my favorite character is Chosen, though. I, out of all of them, the, 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 the mean old uh, uh, Japanese nemesis that uh, Karate Kid had. Yeah. I love him. Out of all the characters, I think I love him the best. He kills me. This last few episodes, I was rolling. <laughs> I just love him. <laughs> I like how he tries to Americanize this old battle axe warrior Japanese Shinto guy, you know, whatever you want to call him. But, uh, but there's some great lines as well. Like the guy with the oh, ponytail yeah. and they go, where did this, where did this James Bond villain come from? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now I haven't seen Cobra Kai, but I've seen Karate Kid 3 and he plays that like a fuck, like an over the top Bond villain. I know uh, yeah. uh, you're talking about, uh, God, what's his name? Um, uh, I don't the, know the what guy. his real name is. Ralph, yeah, it's, Ralph, it's the villain yeah. from Karate Kid 3 that you're talking about, though, yeah. right? He's yeah. so over the top in that movie that I just, 
Like he's talking about like, oh, you know, the, these damn bureaucrats, they don't even let us dump toxic waste in the, in the oceans anymore. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. Are you the bad guy by chance? <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not the eighties anymore. That's for sure. Well, yeah, another, I used to be able to just dump toxic is, waste wherever I wanted. These damn bureaucrats are stopping me from doing that. Like, right. yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb. You're the villain. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I but I also like that they brought um for a short time his girlfriend from Karate Kid Three because yeah. I always liked her. I mean, she did like Teen Witch and things like that, didn't yeah. she? That actress, and they got to see what she looks like now. So that was quite cool. It's like, oh god. Sorry. They brought back a lot. They brought back everybody thus far that I could remember. Yeah. I mean, this this last even the last four or five episodes of Cobra Guy, a lot more have been brought back in from the '80s, and it's fucking great. I just love it. I just mm. sucked it all up. I, I I love that series. I cannot sing its praises enough. And go and, to Spirit uh, Halloween. Spirit uh, Halloween has uh, has Cobra Kai uh, Cobra Kai stuff. Oh, it does. Yeah. Uh, Shanta asked me next time I went if I if I see the Cobra Kai socks to grab them for her. So I did see them. They, they got a huge Cobra franchise Kai with merch now. There's no doubt about that. Why and not, man? Uh, if you can get that money, get it. Get the capitalism. I've been sent a Cobra out. Kai T-shirt, so that's cool. Yeah, uh, and I'm gonna finish what? Wait, I finished. I binge watched all of Vikings Valhalla because I missed the old show so bad. It doesn't have that ping that the original Vikings had. You know, but mm. I still love it. It's pretty good. We'll see what happens with their second season. And I'm going to watch, what is it? Uh, Lord of the Rings, whatever. What is it called? The Rings? Or is it? The, the Ring well, power, power of the Rings? Power of the like Rings. That? I love it. Power Everybody, the did, all the Game of Thrones people are being mean to the trilogy people. But I like both of them. So far, you know, it's the slow. It's just, they're both it's Star, slow it's Star Wars versus Lord of the Rings. All oh, over my God. Again. No, it's going to be like Star <laughs> Wars versus Game of Thrones people. Now, those people are vicious. I mean, political forums are terrible enough. But I was telling Keith, boy, you get in those Game of Thrones, man, those people are vicious. They're just bloodthirsty. If you say something that's wrong or off color, they're like, I'd be like white on rice. But I'm when enjoying you- the new Game of Thrones, too. But yeah, when you go down the rabbit hole of fandom, like the, the the further down you go, the more you, no matter what it is, whether it's Star Wars, Batman, anything, anything, the further down you go, you start running into these people who are like, my opinion is everything. Yeah. I am right. All hail, you know, whoever, Ryan Johnson, Zack Snyder, they could do no wrong. Yeah. And I will kill you if you say otherwise. And you're going to run into a lot of those. Those are the people I like messing with. Just well, drop the, my I mean, they, and leave. No, I mean the thing is, there's not even there's not even. I wouldn't even get into it with them because at the end of the day, these are people who have not seen the light of day for like twenty to thirty. Probably years. not. <laughs> They're still playing D and D old fashioned way, you know. Yeah, there's there's yeah people who get like to that level. There's no point talking about. It. There's absolutely yeah. no point. Well, they did they they I think they have a break with reality at some point. Like I posted, so I think I found it here. It was on Twitter. This guy goes, it's nice to see them using real dragons instead of fake CGI dragons. And I'm like, is he fucking with us? But, you know, I put it out there. It's just like, you know, <laughs> don't know if he was serious real, or not. <laughs> real dragons, huh? <laughs> real dragons. Use real dragons instead of them CGI things. But I don't know understand. Yes, um... We're just hanging out living life. But what about if you? that church, that if that church, if that church in the south part of America, you know, in this uh, um, can build Noah's Ark, 
and put dinosaurs on it, I am sure that there are real dragons in the world. <laughs> There's a dragon somewhere, damn it. I'm saying Precisely. <laughs> Same as there were dinosaurs on Noah's Ark. Sure I'm, just, I'm mother of dogs, not dragons. I have dogs. <laughs> what about you, Joe? Or whoever's breathing? I, I just had I just had to mute it for a second because Keith had me laugh so hard that it, it started a coughing fit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I need a second to compose myself, but yeah. Uh what what have I been up to? Um I, I worked all weekend since the last time uh, since the last time I was on with you guys. I was off Monday and Tuesday, but uh, we're so short staffed at work that I'm so exhausted on Monday that I can't like I, I don't even really get up. I, I get up around 4 p.m. Go go do my my grocery shopping on Monday afternoon. Come home. Um, and then Monday is uh, actually a good day to go grocery shopping. Yeah, there's nobody there. You 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 can you can walk through the grocery store Monday afternoon. There is nobody there. Usually, their fresh trucks come early in the morning. Also, yeah, also that. Um, yeah, I've had Monday and Tuesday off. and been my like my regular days off since like I was working security at a college in in Brooklyn in like the the early two thousands. Because Monday and Tuesday are the best days off because nobody's anywhere. You yeah. can run all the errands you need to run like that and like be done with it in like an hour, be home and you are good. You can enjoy the rest of your day off. If you, your weekend is Saturday and Sunday, you got to deal with crowds everywhere you go. Everything's going to be delayed. So I, I love having Monday and Tuesday off for that reason. But yeah, um, I've been doing my, uh, my Halloween. Uh, I started my Halloween watching early. Uh, I, I haven't gotten today's movie in yet because I, I just got up right before we did this and uh i've been uh i watched batman begins again last night so so that'll be fresh in my oh, mind i just <laughs> finished watching it again too just to make sure i had the right batman i was sitting there i was starting to question myself because it was I, I could only find one on hulu and not on with the all the others and then i figured well one's warner one's different. they're all warner well hulu oh. only carries batman begins because the other ones wasn't carrying it so and I, I go okay. I've seen this, but I just refreshed my memory on it. So, well, I I live with the uh, with the biggest Bat maniac in history. Because if I if I don't have it on on DVD, if it's He's Batman it. related, Sean has it on Blu-ray. I'm so. surprised he isn't joining us today. Uh, he he actually didn't join us because he thought there'd be like like ten people. He'd be like, you'd never get a word in edgewise. Oh, so he, He's always welcome. He's gonna, yeah. Oh, I, I, I told him like, dude, if you, if you change your mind, let me know. But then, yeah, he's, he's off doing other stuff, I guess. Um, but yeah, he, he would have joined us if he would have realized it would have been just the four of us again. Mm. So, Sean, we wish you could be here. <laughs> um, actually, I'll, I'll text him. Maybe he can join us later. Um, right here, oh, you are here. I thought you ran out and ran out. <laughs> Dude, it's just me, Keith, and Vicky. If you want to jump on and talk about these movies, yes, are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level, or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd? Amazing Designs gives consistent and on-brand designs. Whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar, they bring professionalism to a high standard, and they are able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge. Working one-on-one -on -one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more. Affordable, expert designs for all 
occasions, whether it's logos, brochures, or whatever you can dream of. Amazing Designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise. Try Amazing Designs today. Contact them via email at amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com. That's amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com. Or reach out by phone at Crunchy Cold 1-805-203-0427. We love them so much here at the Literary License Podcast that we use them ourselves. But I'd rather be different than be the same. All right, we're back. Okay, we're back. Um, well, what I've been up to is um, work, and don't want to talk that, but we did interview Ivy Austin, who was in Greece, too, and done lots of stage shows and stuff like that, and that'll be out on Friday as our Dark Shadows goes into hiatus until we get more information on Tom's um, recovery, and we wish him the best of, work, yes, best we of do. luck in getting well. Um, this one, um, I did watch my Batman films this week, but I have to sit there and say one of the best things I saw was on Disney Plus was Santa Evita, about it's a Argentinian series about Evita uh, Eva Durante de Perón or Evita Perón, right. and about her body after it was embalmed and what oh, happened I know, to I've it. read, I've read articles and in depth stuff about that, and that is some wild shit. It was phenomenal i mean it's seven episodes long each episode's an hour it does flash back to her beginnings as well so you do learn more about yeah. ava durarte that's on disney but disney plus yeah in this wow. country it's, Arge- it's argentinian as well plus. so well a lot of that was very irreverent things that happened to her i'm surprised that they would have a show of that caliber on disney oh that again it's disney <laughs> What am I thinking? Well, I mean, I mean the the important thing about this show is it, it's an Argentinian show, and up until ten years before, if you mentioned her name in Argentina, you could you could be imprisoned. Right. So obviously that's been lifted. So, but but I highly recommend it. It was I was just like, wow, this is great sort of thing. So I watched every single. I would love to see that. What's it called? Santa Evita. Santa Evita. Okay. So. But yeah, I highly recommend it. I mean, it's just like, uh, is I mean, it is is it in English or is it just Espanol? Espanol. Okay. So, but it has subtitles. So just make sure that you manually put the subtitles on for it. So, unless you speak Spanish, and then you'll be fine to go. I can pick up some stuff, but I'm better at dirty words. Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my mother. My my mother with English. Uh, my. Uh, she couldn't speak a lot of English, but she could motherfucker with the best of them. Yeah. <laughs> she was amazing at that. She knew all Italian, right? Oh, yeah. My grandfather <laughs> straight off the olive oil boat, man. He used to bite his hand at me. Mm, oh, yeah. Nuts. My mother used to do that there. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know what that means after all these years. <laughs> I, 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 I'm assuming it means something like, oh, you, you, uh, I'm biting my hand so I don't, I don't use it on you. I'm assuming that's what it means, uh, but yeah, she she could she could not speak a lot of English, but she knew motherfucker and she could pronounce that like a fucking native. <laughs> yeah, but it's really sad what they did to Vita Perone, though. Really, a lot of just a lot of horrible things happened. Even after she died, I mean, it's sacrilegious most of it. So it should be interesting, I'm sure. Oh, it's really good. I didn't realize that they actually did three other bodies. Uh, they also had three other bodies, so that way when they were getting rid of her, they didn't know which body was going where. Yeah. Did they ever figure yeah. out which one was which? 
Yeah, I mean, they, they found the real one. She's now back in the, she's in the family tomb back in Argentina, Argentina now. But she disappeared for 25 years. Her body That's wild. Was. Such a wild and story. They, and they found it, they found it of all places in Italy. You never know about those Italians. They're, they're scat. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, this, this doesn't take anything away from the show, but the weirdest thing is, is that when they, they, when they dug her back up in Milan, Italy, her body was very, very much still in, so right. pristine because when they um when they basically added you know ho however they did the process of keeping her body pristine like a porcelain doll stayed but the weirdest thing is that Juan Perón was living in Spain so he had her body transported over with his new wife who he said and then he would hold like these um rituals over her so that the new wife who was like 21 could be the new evita this is not in the show this is what you read like after after the show right kept her kept her body in the living room with him and his <laughs> new wife and then when they went back to argentina they brought the body over with them so it's not like okay so that's why I'm always scared of my children. They always say they're going to like take me to a taxidermist and not bury me. <laughs> I don't trust them little bastards. <laughs> they would probably do something like that to me. <laughs> I would do. I would do that to you very easily. I know you would. <laughs> <laughs> Just have you a... Chaplin's body also being stolen, like after he died? Yeah, I think Charlie Chaplin's I... body also. Yeah, he, really? went, he went missing for a little while. Yeah, I just don't understand the whole thing about taxi. I mean, the thing is, the taxidermic human body. Because thing is, like when she had cancer, right? They couldn't give her pain medication because that would do something to the process. So basically, all her organs and everything are still inside her, and they were basically just taxi. Like, Let's not even talk about how they defiled her after she died. I mean, just awful things happened to this body when she. I don't know. But for that two, for, <laughs> but it was but to to do to do the process they put her through it was a two year process. Oof, I had no idea that this all happened after she died. Well, people yeah. back then, especially, I'm sorry, but the Spanish and the Italians, we are a bunch of just no I, people I, I, to I, death. Well, to be honest, I think the reason why I don't know, I, I'm still trying to figure out why they would do that, but I got a feeling that. I think Juan Perón did that because him getting voted in was all because of the power because of her. Because of her. Yeah. she was, she was, I mean, she was dirt poor. I mean, she slept her way to the top, which explains why Madonna was so good for the movie version. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, it's like art imitating life. Yay. But um she did good in that movie though. But she, uh, well, it was a huge music video, so we the didn't have to hear her talk. It's, it's really well, good. Madonna's problem with her acting is her voice is fucking annoying, isn't it? Yeah. So, but, um, but, you know, the thing is, is that, um, yeah, so I think, may, I just, I would think that maybe that's the reason why they kept her embalmed and Possibly. embalmed yeah. her. And, I mean, and of course, dictatorship went in and Peronism went out and, but she was like, you know, that's the saint of the Descomisados, wasn't she? The shirtless ones, the poor. And she, she's the, she's the one who gave women rights to votes, and she gave labor it's laws. It's a fascinating story. It really is. It's a really fascinating story. I'll have to watch that now. I'm a, yeah, I'm a ghoulish person anyway. So. The, other, the other interesting thing I saw Disney uh, uh, release was the trailer for uh, Werewolf by Night. Really? Which looks like it'll is be, it a uh, black werewolf or a white werewolf? 
we're not we're not going there. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll we'll see what the complaints are here. But um, but yeah, it's it's a black and white. Uh, or at least I. It looks like it's gonna be black and white. It looks like it's gonna be a black and white one hour it's special. Cool. Looks like it's kind of a throwback, like maybe a tribute to horror movies of the 30s and 40s. So really, uh, that's on Disney or Hulu. Um, it's gonna be on Disney Plus. It's a Marvel. It's a Marvel thing. Uh, it's gonna be. Uh, I looked on IMDb. It's it's. Uh, IMDb has it as being about an hour long, which is what those movies ran in the 30s and 40s. Yeah, Generally, true. they ran about, you know, about an hour to an hour and 15. So. Um, that comes out October 7th, so I'll check but that will out. Will there be armadillos? <laughs> I'm still oh. trying to get over the armadillos. I, I just, why were there armadillos in Transylvania? Um, in to be honest, if, if, if you look at a lot of those universal films anyway, in the background, there are a lot of strange animals running around for God knows. What was the, what, when Nosferatu had, what was it, the hyena they were using for a werewolf or something? Wasn't it Nosferatu that had the yeah. hyena? Uh. Uh, I mean, I, I think it was just it's Southern California in the 1930s. I mean, what do they know about what's in Transylvania? Oh, I just they thought don't... it was funny because we're talking about Dracula, Bela Lugosi, 1931. We were watching it last week and it was the uncut version, which I've never seen some of those. Like in the Frankenstein I was talking about, I have never seen the actual footage of where he throws a little girl in the water. Frankenstein or Boris Karloff didn't like that scene. And I've never seen that before in any version. And I was like, like so we just st stuck it out, watched Dracula too as well, because we love all those old movies. Frankenstein had a lot and of possums and Castle Dracula. I don't see. I don't. I I don't see the problem of Frankenstein throwing a little girl into the water because I mean that's that's basic. That's how most of our parents taught us how to swim. Well, that's how I learned how to swim. <laughs> My brothers were assholes. <laughs> the thing about that clip, because I've I've seen the movie without without the scene where he throws a little girl in the water, because I I um, growing up, mm -hmm. the first version of it that I got my hands on was a video store was selling off their old 1980s VHS tape, um, mm -hmm. and that was before they found all the footage and edited edited it back in. So I had only seen the monster playing with the little girl, yes. and then cuts to the 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 villager and the father's the carrying girl. her. To the and square, I feel like it yeah. Makes it darker. I feel like it actually makes it darker because you I don't thought it did without it's... showing it, but um, yeah. the other I've the just other never seen cut, it before. That's all. The other major cut um, that that was eventually restored was um, Colin Clive's uh, line: "It's alive! It's alive! In the name of God, now I know what it feels like to be God." That was cut out for a long time, for like fifty years. That was gone. Right. And that was restored like in the 90s. Can you imagine any other person with that particular part doing that particular line? I can't ever see anybody else do that. I mean, I, he's fantastic, isn't he? He's mm. absolutely fantastic. It's a shame that he died so young because he probably could have could have done a lot of really, really cool stuff uh, yeah. in the Monsterverse. Him and Dwight Fry, I think, also died kind of young. Uh, a lot, a lot of those, a lot of those people that were in the Frankenstein film died not too long after and the, the, like a, you kind of wonder like how how much cool stuff they could have done it's sad actually there's so many that yeah yeah but i got strayed way before we were supposed to no tangents before the podcast starts <laughs> <laughs> we're already there <laughs> well sean's joined us let's talk about sean what have you been up to since we last spoke to you a week ago uh well in the last week i saw clerks three 
and I uh -huh. broke down hysterically crying uh, watching that movie. It's I didn't realize how closely I, I have uh, identified with a lot of the characters in those movies over the last 30 or so years. And uh, it, it was kind of an emotional ride for me going uh, uh, watching that. And it's probably his best movie that he's done in a very long time. So uh, other than that, just uh, continue working at the bar and... Uh, joining joe along with his uh, halloween movie watching i've been seeing he's always got the best list i ask him every year since i've, I've got to know him where's your list that's, <laughs> that's a, a good I one i just copy yeah. the horror hound list that's i, I just do the horror hound list because the selections I, I that like you they... choose from those from that from that list are, are really what uh matters and what you got are a lot of gems in there you found well, a lot of ones that i've never seen before so well, I try to I try to make it things that I've never seen before because otherwise I, I don't want to end up watching the same ten or twenty movies every year for Halloween. So I so I, I take the the horror hound list and I use it as a jumping off point to try to find something that fits that category that I've never seen before. Sometimes they're duds, like Play Motel the other night was awful. Mm. Um, but sometimes nice. like like the octopus was really really good, and I, I never would have watched it if it. Well, I probably would have because I'd seen the transformation. The that, that movie I couldn't take last week was Mosquito. That one, I, I struggled so hard. I've to seen that well, you, you have to check it out. It's on, it's on Tubi, I think. Try to stay awake. Today's it's a, it's uh, a mosquitoes. They, they find this, this, this nuclear waste. And of course, they um, eat it. And then they go inject people. You know, your typical mosquito, large mosquito. Uh, I'll probably have to finish watching is, it. Damn you, COVID! Watch a film about uh, watch a film relating to to a pandemic. So I've uh, I've chosen a version of Mask of the Red Death, starring you guessed it, Frank Stallone. Hey, no, right. no, <laughs> seriously, it's my it's favorite on YouTube. Song. You gotta go with that. You gotta go with Frank. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've seen the Vincent I Price one a hundred times, so. I hope he sings this. I hope he sings the theme tune in it. So oh, make it really yeah, worth that'd it. Be great. Quite a crooner. I was wondering what it's like so. being Rocky's brother. Yeah. So yesterday was watch a trashy movie. I chose Play Motel, and I watched that. You know, I watched that late, late at night, the night before. Then Sean chose. I chose uh, Wizard of Gore, the remake of uh, Wizard Wizard of Gore from like two thousand was it two thousand seven or something? Two thousand seven, like I think it said. Starring Crispin Glover and Kip Perdue. I, I we both have I've owned never this heard movie. Of that one. Yeah, we have both owned this movie and never watched it. And uh, so I dug it off my shelf. We took a look. Better than we thought it would be. Yeah, I, I, I thought it'd be a total train wreck, and it wasn't. Uh, Jeffrey, yeah. well, it's got Crispin, well, it's got Crispin Glover, doesn't he? That's, I mean, he always gives a, he always gives up. a good performance. Oh, he's, Crispin he's, Glover, Brad Dourif, and um, at his finest. Uh, and uh, Jeffrey Combs are in it, so that yeah. their performances made it worth watching because they're yeah, so over much. the top. Uh, Jeffrey Combs, we didn't even recognize. Yeah, he's really? he looks like Rob Zombie. That's the best way I could describe him. He looks like nineteen late nineteen nineties era Rob Zombie. We, we were red watching red locks that are kind of dusty, dirty looking. <laughs> he, he just has that. Yeah, Rob you think Zombie Rob can afford to get his hair shampooed once in a while? <laughs> he's clean cut now. When he when he's out in public, he looks really office. good. Clean he looks cut. Good. He really does. I mean, I like the the dreadlocks and stuff, but he looks yeah. really good. Speaking of him, I got. I'm looking forward to the monsters next week. Is it next week or two weeks? Oh, uh, we two weeks. Two weeks. I'm just. Mm -hmm. Twenty seventh. Have an open mind. Don't be making fun of the robster. 
I'm not at all. I love Rob. I've been a, I've been a fan of his since I was a young kid. I love his music. He's always got a great live show. And uh, I'm genuinely looking forward to this movie. I, I didn't like the trailer, but that's most of the world at this point. It, I, he was going out on tour. And if he did it himself, maybe he was in a rush. I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He loves these I mean, characters. So. His last movie before this one was 31, I think, right? It was, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Was I, it, it was uh, Three from Hell. Oh, that's right. Three from hell. I forgot about oh, three yeah, from hell. Yeah. It, that's, yeah, I think he did. He had to do 31 in order to do three. He, he's been for years wanting to do a Groucho Marx movie. He's wanted to do a story about uh, the Broad Street Bullies, the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, he's wanted to do a lot of these uh, projects that maybe, are very personal to him. Maybe that's why he did the Munsters. He went to Universal and went, hey, listen, because Universal... Uh, Wait, no, does Universal, yeah, Universal owns the old Paramount Library, yes. so Universal would own the old Marx Brothers movies, like the really early ones, yeah. so maybe that's part of it, is he went, Might hey, be a trade-off. Well, Might be a trade-off, I'll, I'll yeah. do whatever you want me to do, just let me make this Groucho movie, maybe that's it. Maybe. Mm. You never know. Um, something quite interesting on Shutter, they're doing um, 100 greatest horror films at the moment, so every week they do 25 so i think they're down to 50 now so that's quite interesting there's not yeah there's not a lot of um surprises in it but it does mention a few little things that kind of pop up that you kind of do forget about they're all kind of on the fringes I mean, a lot of it's kind of the main stuff, like oh, Candyman or The Exorcist, or <laughs> like, okay, yeah, yeah. I just, I just, I don't Evil know. Evil Dead. Okay. Yeah, I refuse to have The Exorcist in my house. I was raised Catholic. <laughs> Still, I watch it. I that the the crab walk. If I could fast forward to the crab walking downstairs backwards, I'd be okay. But that fucked me up like none other. So I mean, that just disturbed the shit out of me. Well, that I, I was, was just that was added like in the what the nineties or two thousands. Yeah, the two thousands. That was the two thousands. I remember that being the version you've never seen, and now it's the only version that exists. It's the only yeah. version I remember. To be honest, the only I version thought the I won't smoke pot and watch because I'm afraid it'll uh, scare me. Well, I think I think I think the reason why the Exodus works anyway, I think it has more to do with the subliminal like flashes that happen within the movie. I think that's what kind of makes it work. You know, like when, when, she, when she comes in and then, you know, and then you got, you got the, the demon or whatever flashing up on the hood of the stove very quickly, you know, blink that, and you miss sort of thing. All those kind the theater, of things. In the theater and when it was re-released, I remember getting a lot of laughs from the younger people, but those were the moments that jumped out that actually scared people. The, well, the, I would like the, them to the make a movie again. I would mm. like them to make a movie again that makes people vomit and throw up and freak out, you know, like they did back in the seventies. Like, yeah, I, but, 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 but you got to, but you got to remember that you're not going to get anything like that anymore anyway. First of all, because when the Exodus came out, well, well, the problem is not the problem, but when the Exodus came out in 73, 74, this was this was the end of the 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 movie system. You know, right. sort of thing. Yeah. So everything was very, very well controlled. And this was like Hollywood for once actually breaking a taboo here, sort of thing. Before they weren't, I mean, they haven't broken any taboos from like till between 1940 and 1970. So yeah, like a, quite a lot of, you know, you didn't have couples sharing a bed during this time period. Right. Sort of thing. So 
you know so i think i think that's probably a lot that has to do with it because this is like okay this is a big hollywood movie and it's got and they got big you know ellen bernston was quite a name at this point she was making her name as quite a achievable actress and you know so i think and that has probably a lot of the reasons and of course max van sidow at the moment was very well respected and so I think that's probably the reason why it had the effect it had on that. Cause you had a lot of people going, Oh, this is, you know, a great, great Hollywood movie, you know? And of course they got that sort of thing. It's like the same reason why psycho had the same kind of effect it did at that time, because like, Oh, this is a, you know, this is a universal um, Alfred Hitchcock film. And then when they see it, it's like, Oh my God, what am I seeing here? Is that kind of thing. And yeah, I think, exactly. No, no, go ahead, Keith. Well, we've broken so many taboos at this point, anyway. So, I mean, I, to be honest, when I see something now, something does shock me. It's it's very, very rare. I oh, am yeah, so that's... jaded. Uh, <laughs> I, like I, I said, mean... the only thing that shocked me was the geriatric sex and X. <laughs> well, that, that's that's where Ty West had to go. Yeah, because uh, I, I I recently uh, rewatched uh, Peeping Tom, and that's one of those movies that. that ended Michael Powell's career because the movie was so shocking. And when I watch it now, I'm like, there's nothing really that shocking about it. But like Keith said, you're coming off the, you know, you're coming off the Hays Code. Uh, yeah. So mm -hmm. once these, once the Hays Code started lifting and people were able to do all this stuff, what are you really going to do? Like you've seen, like Friday the 13th was shocking because, oh my God, I can't believe these gory kills. But now there's been 12 of those movies and it's like, where do you go from here? Like Tom Savini, like the the CGI now can't match what Tom Savini and Rick Baker were doing in the 80s. Yeah. So how are you really going to shock an audience now? You're just going to mm -hmm. have to go back to just old school storytelling. Yeah. Is that so yeah. bad? No. I don't think so. Well, it's not so bad. It all depends. You know, if you have a good script and you have a good editor and you have a good director and you got a good cast, you can get away with almost anything. The question is, can you get all those together? You know, but um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, you know, and, and at the moment with Ty West's X, ten years from now, X won't even be shocking. Yeah, because we have a whole generation who's basically been raised on porn anyway. So <laughs> I can handle porn. I'm just ready for that. That's all. <laughs> I am to be honest. To be honest, uh, when it comes when it comes to the porn market, anyway, I mean. Anything that you want to see, you can see for free. Let's put it that way. It's at that. It's at that point. Yeah. I mean, the the other day, a friend of mine was cast on a on a TV show uh, that's shooting overseas, and she sent. She's you know, tiny little woman. She's playing a prison guard, and she sent me a picture of her surrounded by all these like buff shirtless guys. And I joked, I was like, I'm gonna put a little Brazzers logo at the bottom of it and repost it on Facebook. <laughs> but the fact that I can make that joke and like everybody gets it. Just yeah, what's really shocking anymore? Yeah. Talking about shocking, this brings us to Batman 1989, which is a 1989 <laughs> superhero film based on the DC Comics characters of the same name, created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, produced by John Peters and um, Peter Grubber. It is the first installment of Warner Brothers' initial Batman film series. The film was directed by Tim Burton and stars Jack Nicholson, Michael Keaton, Kim Bassinger, Robert Wall, Pat Hingle, Billy D. Williams, Michael Goff, and Jack Palance. The film takes place early in the title character's war on crime and depicts his conflict with his arch enemy, the Joker. Um, 
Bar, um, Burton was hired as director in 1986, um, but it would not get greenlit until he made Beetlejuice 1988, which would become a which would become a hit for him. The film is loosely based on Alan Moore and Bill Ballard's The Killing Joke and Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. The film primarily adapts and diverts from the Red Hood origin story for the Joker having Batman inadvertently cause gangster Jack Napier to fall into the Axis chemical acid, triggering his transformation into a psychotic Joker. Additionally, Batman creator Bob Kane worked as consultant for the film. So what we'll do is we'll cut to the trailer of Batman from 1989 and be right back. Every punk in this town is scared stiff. They say he can't be killed. They say he drinks blood. Is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? Vicky Vale. Bruce Wayne. And what do you do for a living? He's a tired old man. Can't run this city without me. Your luck is about to change. Terrorizes. Wait till they get a load of me. He's out there right now. And I've got to go to work. literary license podcast we're discussing batman from 1989 and starting with you joe what do you think of batman from 1989 well this was um probably my introduction to batman i mean i was eight years old when the movie came out i went to the theater to see it and i remember the 66 uh adam west series started replaying on tv at this time so it was batmania like that's the one thing i remember um about that era is you batman was everywhere um the pharmacy on my corner had a little vhs tape uh that i think was called batmania and it was just a documentary just discussing batman and all its iterations from <clears throat> the comic books to the 40s to the you know the the, the serials that um uh that, that fox made to the tv series and all that stuff so um the movie itself so i what i'm going what the reason i'm stating all that is i love the movie and i don't re-watching it i think it's a very well-made movie i don't know how much of my love for it is nostalgia because it's it was my introduction to batman versus um how good it actually is as a film um personally i love it i love jack nicholson in this yeah. my introduction to jack nicholson i don't think i've seen him in anything else uh, I had seen him in anything else before this. I mean, I was eight years old. 
I wasn't right. going to watch Chinatown. So, <laughs> um, so everything about it, like I love, I, I love the old school gothic horror movie vibes to it. Um, I it's dark. It's really like one of the first dark movies, really, when you think about it. Well, up until this point, Batman on television had been portrayed as like this campy, yeah. you know, fun little crime fighter. And this time everything was everything was dark. Batman's killing people, which I know a lot of um, a lot of purists um, that grew up reading the comics did not like that about it. Uh, Burton didn't give a shit. I don't think Burton um, really I think he I think he went on record and said he never really read the comics. He read the two comics that he read Dark Knight Return or uh, yeah, the Dark Knight Returns and he read the killing joke. I think those are the only two comics he's ever admitted to reading. I also think that Burton has a habit of sitting there saying he's a huge fan of something and then makes a movie out of it. He did that with Dark Shadows. Yeah. And then and then and then you kind of watch it and it's kind of like um, did he even watch he any of the series? You know, did, did he watch yeah. any of that stuff? You gotta wonder. I, I wonder oh. with the Dark Shadows uh, movie if the because uh, I I didn't see it until like last year because I just avoided it because I thought the trailer looked so stupid. I mm. wonder if I went in with so my expectations so low because I didn't think it was that terrible. I thought it was okay. Uh, not one of Burton's stronger movies, but Burton's made some really strong like legitimately strong movies like ed wood and um yeah big fish and scissor hands this was kind of the start of that i guess or beetlejuice maybe was this was the start of that this was the first time you had something with like some real meat on it um but i really like it and now re-watching it a couple nights ago uh with the the knowledge of like what burton was paying homage to um what when we're watching this because Michael Keaton in this is kind of like kind of like Vincent Price in the old AIP movies. He's kind of alone in a dark a dark mansion, and clearly he's not right in the head. He's clearly going insane. And you want to get nuts? Uh, yeah, one of my favorite line deliveries ever. Um, I know he's got that poker. <laughs> yeah, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. It's uh, like I legitimately love this movie, and I I, I think it's well made. I don't know how much of that is nostalgia versus probably the movie a little bit of both. Great, uh, yeah, it could be both. Like I, it's, <coughs> it's certainly not a like I don't think it's a bad movie by any stretch. Um, certainly very stylistic and beautiful to look at. It was the first of its kind when it came to that the, to the creation of our, our superheroes. Really, you know, I think it just was a. I think it gave precedent for what was to come. Then you got Marvel, you got DC. I think they all springboarded from this one in some capacity. This definitely, this definitely helped bring along the Raimi Spider-Man movies. And I think that's when people started like attaching the idea that you could actually have depth in the characters. And I feel like the Raimi Spider-Man movies did that better than these movies did. Because um, even Superman, which, you know, the, the Christopher Reeve Superman, which I love, right? not really that deep. It wasn't until I, I feel like Raimi started doing the uh, the, the Spider-Man movies, in particular Spider-Man 2, that I think we started kind of seeing like uh, this idea of like the um, the villain being somebody who on the surface may not have been a terrible person, but a victim of circumstance. And, and you kind of started feeling for them a little. Um, 
this movie had none of that. Jack Napier is just a gangster from the very beginning. Um, Jack Palance uh, as a villain is just chewing the scenery. He's just, uh, everybody's over the top in this. So I kind of enjoy that aspect of it. It, it kind of feels like a time where like these, these movies were less serious. Whereas, um, you know, the DC movies now are super serious. Everything about them is super serious. So I don't know. Maybe I kind of I, I kind of like that it wasn't anything uh, anything that uh, that intense. I mean, it I still had intensity, my, but it wasn't that. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, my view of a Batman, Tim Burton's, is that it, it suffers the Tim Burton disease, where it's all style over substance. Yeah, that that's and, a Burton thing. And um, and the thing is, is like you kind of watch it, and it's like it's beautiful to look at, but you don't really care about anyone in it. I don't care. I mean, I I mean. I, I remember I remember seeing it and I'm kind of like, oh, it looks great. And I and I, and I love Batman. I mean, I'm I'm indebted to the Tim Burton Batman series because if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have the animated series, which I think does everything a far better than this canon of Batman films that we have, especially when we get to the Joel Schumacher. Um, let's let's see how camp how camp and gay we can make these. <laughs> so, but while he's still in the closet, while he's still in Narnia doing his films, but yeah. um, but um, was, was he gay? But, I didn't know Joel Schumacher was gay. Oh God, yeah. Oh, I mean, right. think back. Sorry. Think back. Think, think through Lost Boys and think through the Batman, his Batman series and his Phantom of the Opera and other stuff that he's uh, are yeah. flatliners. So if you start putting it all together, he pretty much. I probably know, wouldn't have thought of that unless you yeah, said something. Well, I mean, once you once you kind of realize that you pretty much, you know, you pretty much can see him walking <laughs> around with a snow queen, you know, and eating, you know, turkey delight. So um, why did I think of that? So, I'm sorry to but, interrupt your train of thought. You were talking about how it, how it delved into the Schumacher movies. Yeah, and then you know, of course it gets campier and campier as we go along, and then and then it does you know. But this Batman film sort of thing, you know, is there's a lot of things. Everyone's kind of like painted by numbers, and it's like, okay, I know Jack Nicholson does his fantastic job as a Joker, but looking at it looking at it a lens today, I just think, well, this is just you know Van Horn from Witches of Eastwick. It's the same performance. Yeah, yeah, it that is. He did two that he did two years prior to that. Just as crazy and, so, and batshit, literally. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's but it's kind of like you know it's Jack Nicholson doing Jack Nicholson, so it's not a, like a, a huge stretch for him. And and then then we got Kim Bassinger, who's pretty but bland, really. I mean, she's supposed to be. Well, all you know, the characters are bland in this movie for the most part. Yeah. They, they, they don't have a lot of depth as far as emotional human beings. And you know, the one thing that distracted mm -hmm. me in this version because it was ultra HD and the cape and the stuff, you could tell it was, you know what I mean? Like Blu-ray, it shouldn't have been. Uh, it kind of made me crazy. Moment. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, you it's can see the rubber, syndrome. you can see, yeah, you can see every, the, where the lines and the seams are. Yeah, and then, you know, like the, the cape where he's standing on the thing and he turns around, you can tell that cape's animated, you know what I mean? Which is, which is why I'm a stickler for DVD for older movies, because, like, these movies weren't meant to be seen in that extreme high definition. Uh, Sean yeah, it, and kind I, of, uh, kind of, it kind of distracted me a little bit. Other than that, Don, I love the movie. I bought the Blu-ray to Jaws a couple of years ago, and Jaws is the one I go to when I discuss why I do not like Blu-ray. Really? I've never seen it, Blu-ray. You could see the shark clearly everywhere, so you could see how fake it is. And that girl that, that goes swimming in the beginning, right. that girl has a lawsuit on her hands. Yeah, this is a porno now. 
Yes. Oh, really? You could see it. Well, you knew she was. She knew she was naked. Uh, yeah, but you could hide it before. There, you yeah, can't there, hide there's it no shadow. hiding this now. Like, oh, no so, shadow, it's no every, so it's yeah. every it's little boy's dream anymore. <laughs> well, let's just sit there and say that the world becomes her gynecologist now. Yes. So. Yes. Like this oh, movie's no, no longer shit. PG. That's, yeah. So much for you, PG. Yeah, it's not PG anymore. No. <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that I ultra get, HD and shit's crazy. I'm, well, I mean, if you want to say that the worst thing about ultra HD and Blu-ray has to be would have to be Crash of the Titans. That I looks like that's the worst thing you can ever see on Blu-ray or um, HD. Yeah, it, it looked better on the pan and scan HBO when you used to watch it as a kid when that would pop up on there every once in a while. So, but I mean, with that, I mean as. I love Michael Goff. I think he's fantastic. I really don't know what Billy D. Williams is doing in this movie at all because it's like, okay, this <laughs> what, is going to yeah, be. What was his purpose? Actually? He was well, Harvey Dent. I mean, it's, he's, he's Harvey Dent. That's, that's I know, the but, thing. but what was his point? Well, Har <sighs> Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent turns into um, Two Face. Right. But um, he's kind of just mentioned, so it's kind of like, oh look, we got Harvey Dent here, so this could lead to something eventually. But of course, it doesn't go anywhere. Oh you know? well, yeah. No, uh, he becomes white in the third movie. He becomes yeah, Tommy, 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 Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, that was a transition. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy and, Lee um, Jones did it some justice, though. There's a continuation of the story of uh, of Billy D. Williams's version, where he becomes very anti-Batman. He sees violence breaking out in the street with people dressing as Batman and the Joker. And uh, it's the and it goes on from there where he will eventually become Two-Face. So mm -hmm. they did have plans. This is all based on original ideas and a script from Sam Hamm, who um, mm -hmm. he, he turned uh, some of the writings of what they could have done into a comic book continuation. It's called Batman 89. So there yeah. was there were plans for him to possibly become Two-Face before they switched it all up. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even come back for the second one. No, not at all. He's no. by that point he's well, a pitch for Colt forty five. I guess he didn't need the money. <laughs> I mean, to give it, give a nod to the second one. Uh, most superhero movies suffer in the second one because it's like, okay, we did great with one villain. Let's bring in two and try to tell their story, and all of a sudden you get like this really cramped up kind of version going on. So it's kind of like something gets left to the side in all these kind of movies, whether it's any of the Spider-Man, any of the Marvel or anything like that. The first ones are always the good one, but then they start adding, let's add two villains instead of one. And then you kind of get, well, one villain's well, you know, one villain's really well, you know, scoped out. The other villain's kind of like, just kind of there. Don't really know what they're there for, you know? You know in, which, a way, you Batman, know. in a way, Batman Returns kind of has three because you have the Penguin, you have uh, the Catwoman, you have Max Shrek, who's totally a villain in that. Yeah. 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 Well, Mac, I guess Max Shrek gives birth to Catwoman in that version. He does. Thing, well, yeah. you know, you got, in the very yeah. beginning, though, it really goes back to why Batman is Batman in this one and why the Joker is a Joker. I mean, you know, what was he well, saying? See, he made me, I, I, I made I, you, you know? Well, see, but I think this is where they kind of get this wrong because they haven't Jack Napier kill Batman's parents. And I have to sit there and say, you know, you see this little boy parents get killed in it and there's like no i mean you don't feel anything at all it's like, okay they're dead <laughs> it's kind of like okay but i think it's just bringing that um jack napier character in and and trying to tie him to batman's killing of the parents kind of is where this film kind of slightly goes off a little bit for I think? me i think so yeah because it's kind of like 
it's kind of like trying to tie up a loose end where there doesn't need to be a loose end. And when we get to Batman Begins, I think it's well, I, I think that's a loose end. I think that's well, Batman, a lot better. Well, Batman, I think they just wanted, I, I think they needed to, I think it, in all sincerity, was trying to show the backstory of Batman. Why Batman's Batman? Why is this rivalry going? I don't really think that they knew this was going to go any further at this point. Well, it's not that it's going as, as far as it has. But, but, what, but what I'm saying is, if you're gonna, if you're gonna kind of do it for me personally, I think if you're gonna do a backstory for Batman and you're gonna show this and the reason why he is, you kind of need a little bit of more emotional residence going on to actually give you that feel. Because at the time, his parents get killed, and you're kind of just watching, going, "So," and that's not really what bad. you want to be feeling. <laughs> Not really, like because it's like, <laughs> no, because you have you, no, because the thing is, you have no reference point to the parents whatsoever, except for the murder sequence. That's the only reference point. You, they could have been the, you don't know if they're good parents. You don't know if they're horrible parents. You don't know. Well, you don't they know look if happy. Well, it's all perception. Well, that is, that is, well, that is true, because Batman Begins does handle the legacy of Thomas Wayne a lot better than this does. Yeah. Right. You know, so, you know, when we get to that, I think that's done a lot better. And basically it does feel like a kind of lazy storytelling. So that way we're going to, we're going to give a Joker story here and let's tie him to Batman's why Batman became Batman only because it's like, it just feels like a throwaway because if there was like a built up to his parents getting killed in the whole, and the, um, and the emotional residence that he goes through and then what happens to him, like, you know, Michael Goff taking in the boy and raising the boy, and he has some some kind of nod to that. Then maybe him being turned into, you know, the Joker might have had a little bit more, if you know, a little bit more residence to yeah, us. I loved, I just loved his performance. Jack oh. Nicholson was so crazy in this one, though. <laughs> there, there, there is one thing though that that happens because because of the, the storytelling in this, and that's the scene. Like he he's given the file. And the side where you, it shows the young Jack Napier, there's papers on top of it. So clearly he's never going through the whole file until after, uh, after the scene in Vicki Vale's apartment where he says, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? That's just something I like to say to all my prey. That's what finally got him. Hey, wait, let me look at this other side of the file. Oh, wait a second. That's the guy that shot my parents. See, but see, that that's an that's another problem I have with the movie as well. I mean, this is I mean, as far as watching the movie, I enjoy watching it, let it wash over me and not think too much about it. But when you start thinking about it, it's like this is the most traumatic thing that ever happened. You saw your parents get killed by this person, and now this person come ringing in your head after they've been turned into the Joker smile. But you didn't recognize it when he was like when he's dangling over the vat and you're holding his hand that it never came to you at that point. I mean, this I is the man who, who you saw face to face as a young boy kill your parents in front of you. I don't think that's a face you would quickly forget. I see. I interpret it when he uh, when he gunned down all the mobsters on the steps with the, with the mimes. I when Bruce is staring at him the entire time, I he I interpreted it as there's something about this that's familiar and it's the entire movie is him trying to piece it together. And it wasn't until he heard that, that he's able to put the two together that, okay, this guy is the guy that killed my parents. There's, there's subtle moments where he's kind of reflecting, okay, he's, there's something about this guy and more and more as he's learning it. So I didn't just take it as well. That was the one thing that brought it together. There's, I, there's subtleness to it, at least. Mm -hmm. You're thinking like a repressed memory. Yeah. 
Like he, he sees the way he gunned down everybody, just the, how violent it is. The way he approached them, just kind of stunned, get, even getting shot through his coat. And it just still, it felt like someone, like something, something you hadn't seen since you were a child in a way. Yeah. And it just all of a sudden rushes back to you. At least that's yeah, I, I, I kind of got that when he was standing on his desk, but by that time, Joker is Joker, so it's kind of yeah, like, yeah, gives him the little wave, yeah. And I kind of, I just kind of wonder why when he was chasing Jack Napier through, you know, the Axis chemicals, yeah, why, yeah, why he, why that didn't come to him, especially <laughs> when he's, especially when he's dangling him and you know, his face is looking up at him, sort of thing. I just kind of, you know, because to me, I just think that face would always stay embedded to, embedded to you if you're a child, sort of thing. And- and it's not like it's it's not like there's a lot of people running around that look like Jack Nicholson either. So there's there's that yeah. he's kind of distinct looking. The yeah. young guy that that that, that they got uh, to to shoot that scene is very distinct looking. It's not yeah. a face you'll forget. No, <laughs> and not at all actually. But what I just love the fact that of- there's a photo oh. on the other side. I just never lifted up the papers and looked. Oh, wait, shit. That's this Jack Napier guy's the guy that shot my parents. I always laughed at that. I always found that hilarious. <laughs> what are your thoughts of it, Sean? Uh, Batman 89, I have very, very fond memories of. Uh, it was my first Batman film in the theaters. I saw it when I was five years old. We went, my mom took me to see the first showing. So much like Joe, I do have a very strong nostalgia for this film. So I don't know exactly how much of my feelings towards it are just that. But I, in going back and watching it, I, I've watched it. I didn't watch it with Joe in the past week, but I've seen it so many times in the past uh, year. that He was literally walking in and quoting lines because I was watching it in the middle of the night. He got up to get water and he quoted the lines as I'm hearing excess chemicals exploding. And I'm just, just coming out. I'm just like, ah, getting a cup of water, quoting the movie and then going back to bed. Like but how many times have you seen this damn movie? <laughs> it's enough. And I've seen it enough. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's one of those movies that uh, it introduced me to Jack Nicholson it introduced me. I, it wasn't my introduction to Tim Burton. Uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure was a was a regular watch. Oh yeah. House. And uh, and uh, Beetlejuice. My parents took me to the theater for some reason. I that was the one time I was quiet. Uh, I, I learned at a young age be quiet in the theater. So uh, that was that was silence for my parents. And Beetlejuice was a fun <laughs> movie. And I and I loved uh, loved the Tim Burton style. And I don't, and much like I understand what Keith's saying about it, but it wasn't burned out at that point. I don't think yet. Yeah. I think at this point we're looking at it and okay, it's all the usual tricks, all the usual tropes. And the way he built Gotham, this beautiful Gothic city uh, with the diecast models and, yes. and everything, it, he brought it to life in such a way that it, it, it just, it's, it's, it's stuck with me and it's kind of, the way that they've done that city in every form of media going forward. They've, it, it, when it's not being Chicago being a sub in, it's kind of been portrayed to be the Tim Burton version, almost in every version now. And, Did you guys uh, read where they, a lot of them, I mean, even in the next movie, they're very unhappy wearing the, the, the outfit, the Batman suit, their, their necks and everything else. I guess they suffered previously well, trying to they're film very, this very he- so they're, they're very very heavy outfits i it's mean even when we even when we get to the chris nolan ones i mean it's still a hard to move i mean if you look at batman in this one he can't he can't turn his head he has to move his body he's like he's this left, yeah left they, or right. they make a point of it to point it out in the dark night 
because uh, uh, Christian Bale's Batman mentions it. And uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, Morgan Freeman goes, so you want to be able to turn your head. Want to turn your head. <laughs> yes. Yes. It'd make yeah. backing out of the driveway a lot easier. It would. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, basically, you know, if if this is real life and this bat and the Batman in this 1989 version actually lived, basically, you know, he wouldn't be able to see from the sides. Basically, <laughs> he can only yeah. see people coming straight at him. <laughs> he's got he'd also have like, a lot of back problems. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, that he's going to have back and knee problems from falling from the distance that he does That's and true. just kind of landing the way he does. And not how does he not? And they make a point in the final uh, Chris Nolan Batman. No, you have no knees. You have no cartilage in your knees whatsoever. Yeah, just uh, keep that in mind. <laughs> but I uh, mean, I have to. I have to sit there and say though. I mean, it's quite ballsy of Batman to sit there and, and save Kim Bassinger's character by going here. Hold on to this, and it likes to throw. <laughs> so basically, she's only got her upper body arm strength. Like he's yeah. gonna take her all the way to the I top. Have, yeah, well, what did he say? She goes, fine. "How much she weighs?" She goes, "I don't know, 106 or what is it?" She said that. I guess apparently she weighed a little more. Yeah, but the thing is, it doesn't matter how much she weighed because at the end of the day, it's her. She's got to maintain hold her on. upper body strength to hold on to that. Yeah. You know, you know, basically, you know, basically, try to, you know, basically, just hang out your second floor window by just swinging from your a jump rope. <laughs> like, how long can you hang she out? She was to supposed it? to die in this movie, but they didn't. They didn't follow through with that. They I think her career know. died after this, so uh -huh. they almost did. <laughs> I, I think her career died slightly after this. Well, maybe. Her, I think she, she disappeared into she bought a, I think she bought a town. There was this story in like yeah. the, yes, in the early night. She, she bought did. a town. She did. And that, I don't remember which town it was. I forget what did. it was either. But she bought a town, and that like kind of bankrupted her. I, I she was yeah. last time I saw her was in the Nice Guys, and she was really good in that. She was very good in LA Confidential. I in think LA that's where they come back. Yeah. She's yeah. brilliant in that. So, but then uh, I mean, but really die. She won an Oscar after this. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, no, years. but I'm saying, but her, 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 her career for a movie that was making a lot of money. I mean, she kind of hurt her. What uh, she really did because before this, she did make Blind Date with Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah, so I love that movie. But but most of her movies are basically just her as a sex kitten, wasn't it? Like nine and a half weeks and my stepmother is so an alien. I was my just thinking of that. One. I was like, we just, Sean recently brought the Blu-ray to my stepmother's an alien. I had never seen it before. I love and that, uh, that was <laughs> like, wow, that, that movie was a trip. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will get the, I, I will give this movie credit over Batman Begins when we discuss that is I think Michael Goff is fantastic as Alfred. Yeah, I love Michael Goff. And I, 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 I he's. He's in my favorite Dracula movie ever, the uh, the 1958 Hammer Films Dracula. He's um, uh, fuck, what the, was he? He's not Harker. He's wait, or is he Harker? He's right no. away. He's Doctor Seward. Any? He? Yes, he. Yeah, he. He's fantastic. I love him in everything. He and this is Burton showing his his love of classic horror because he went and got an old Hammer Films uh, uh, veteran. And Michael Goff was in like every movie he made. Almost every movie he made after this, up until I was watching uh, a Hammer's film special yesterday, and I was thinking of you. It was all about Hammer films. I love I, I love those movies too. So I, uh, the, you know, this was I, I'm um, I, th I think I read somewhere that he had tried to get Alan Napier to come back for something, but Alan Napier at this point, who was uh, Alfred in the '60s Batman, right? I think he was too sick to do it, and then he died before the movie came out. 
But I think he, I, I think I read he tried to get Alan Napier to come in and do something for it. I don't know how, how true that is. I've never heard Tim Burton say anything in an interview. Um, but Burton, I'm, I'm shocked he didn't load this up with horror veterans. Well, he does in a way, but uh, I'm, I'm shocked we didn't see other people pop up. Well, we it. got, we, I mean, we do got Jack Palance who was coming off of Dracula a few years earlier. That's true. His Dracula. So. Fantastic in this. I believe this. I guess Nicholson I, was a pain in the ass when he's filming. You know, they had to make those special mm. gloves all the time, the Joker gloves. Apparently, he was the, they said he took to delighting visitors at Pinewood Studios with an autographed pair of his glo Joker gloves, and they would have to go make more, and he just pissed people off. <laughs> so, I mean, he was annoying. And they said every time Nicholson did this, they had to have new gloves made, and they pleaded with him to stop doing it. And he eventually agreed, but he kept doing it anyway. Oh wait, Sean, Sean might be might might be better able to tell uh, to tell this. What was the, the the thing with the contract? I, I know Nicholson. We we've held him as a genius for what he did with the contract because he he had managed to get himself. He said he 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 turned down his usual fee, but he demanded a percentage of the gross and the merchandising. Or That's what it like was. And so mm -hmm. I, I want to say it was something just on that movie alone. He made, he made some like ninety million. I want to say like seventy-five to hundred million in nineteen eighty-nine, uh, mm -hmm. just on that alone. So which is brilliant when you think about it. He's absolutely like, oh, brilliant. Oh, and those toys, feet, but you got to give me all this toys, on the back end. I, I was five years old. Those toys were impossible to find anywhere. Uh, the the action figures, the play sets, the Batwing, all of them, they they sold out everywhere. Batman, everything after this it was movie. Batmania. Oh, the, Batman, the, the, everything. They promoted it as the movie of the decade. That was the the tagline for the movie. And it, I mean, it, it kind of was, was almost. It kind of was. And then we're, I, I we were talking last night, or or was it this morning about the trading card set? Yes, I used to I used to buy all the trading cards. Uh, you have a Batman hat from the original release, and you have like all these pins and stuff I on have all it. My original pins. Now, don't lo don't lose those things. I had Walking Dead <laughs> cartoon, I had the comic books from years ago, and I gave them away. You know, my, just saying. the trading cards were destroyed in a flood. So I, I this uh, is one of the few things I have left is is this nice little hat with all the buttons. But hang yeah, on to it. Yeah, I, I, I will. Believe me, I will. <laughs> I well, I mean, when the movie came out, I wasn't. I went to the Dublin premiere party for it. None of the actors were there. It was just the <clears throat> the Warner thingy. So I mean, it wasn't right. you know it wasn't a star-studded event. There was a lot of Irish stars in there that no one knows who the hell they are. But unless you live in Ireland, TV people. But um, but yeah, I remember like giving everything away, and I just remember that it was like the Prince soundtrack playing on repeat over and over. <laughs> I was like okay, it's like I mean it's okay. I mean, but it isn't it isn't Prince's Purple Rain. It's <laughs> okay <laughs> no it's not prince's best work but i still love the uh the, the, the scene in the museum with party man playing and them throwing paint yeah. on the paintings and like slashing things to the theme no i, I like this one <laughs> yeah um, i like this one i keep forgetting what the name of the damn, uh, figure the damn with painting meat. is sean figure with meat by francois That's... bacon yeah hanging at the chicago art figure Institute. with meat yeah, yeah figure with <laughs> meat. yeah and francis bacon's um picture which is another variation of that picture would actually be red dragon which would make the red dragon um because he also did the the he francis bacon also did the great big dragon be um that was tattooed on the guy's back oh and the, re yeah. and the rebirth 
that's Francis Bacon as well. He he made a lot of art that was very, very odd for its time period. I think at the moment, I think it was like, uh, no, no, no. And now it's considered a genius. You know, it's one of those. Well, you know, simple, you know, we hate you. We hate you. You're dead. We love you. It's one of those artist things. So <laughs> There's kind of a recreation of that painting in The Dark Knight uh, when Heath Ledger is filming his video, his hostage video with the Batman clone. He's seated in a meat locker between two, fi- uh, two hanging pieces of meat. And uh, the, I believe that Heath Ledger did say that that was kind of a motivation for when he, because he directed that whole camcorder thing. Part of the reason why it's so terrifying, I think, is he, he just embodied that role. But uh, the big it, star, it, yeah. well, the big star of the show is Gotham City. You got to admit, absolutely. I mean, oh, okay. what they did was just fantastic. I mean, I, I don't think I remember seeing anything quite like that up until that time. It I don't was, know about John. John's being um, quiet. It was. I didn't know when to come in. I'm here, folks. I was going to come. Oh, John, you're Joker here. Or Batman, or I was been silently waiting. Speak your piece. I was even going to say with Jack Nicholson. One might say he laughed all the way to the bank with the money he made. Yeah. Uh, I think that, yeah, I mean, I love this version of this movie for the city, right? Because of the way the stylistics, it set sort of the, the bar, the precedence, right? It, it was able to take something from the comic books and bring it to life in that way. Like in, to me, it was like a launching point to where you can go full industrial, which is what we're going to go into the next film. Right. Or you can go something that has a little bit of whimsicalness to it that it almost has a little bit of like magic to it in a way. Like if you, you know, like you get where this plays on a sense of a bit of like comic sci-fi like ness to it whereas when we get into you know nolan's version i think they're trying to almost make it as if this is what would happen in real life if this situation happened and we had a hero and a villain and all this type of thing and so this i love that because it puts you in that fantasy of that world and you almost want to be like ah, i wish we would build a park like this you know because you know i'm surprised they haven't actually that they they built rides around that with i think oh kidding that would be great that'd be kind of cool to build a gotham like that you know Um, they probably would have if um george clooney didn't kill the franchise (laughs) maybe (laughs) well well, they put a pin in that one right it's like <laughs> if, if you really look at it, it kind of looks like the matte paintings that you'd see like at the beginning of like an AIP or Hammer Films movie, which would, you know, with Tim Burton at the helm, he's clearly paying homage to that stuff. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like if you ever watch like the first Dracula and you see a Hammer Films production over this matte painting of Dracula's castle, that's what Gotham looks like. Right. In, yeah. in these movies. Um, so, yeah, I, I but. Like Sean and John Bosa, I, I adore, I adore the way the way Gotham looks in these. I have something to say. When I first saw this, I I used to be a huge Burton fan. I mean, I you know I went and saw Pee Wee's Big Adventure when it came out. I saw Beetlejuice, Batman, Batman Returns, and then I think I think after like Ed Edward Scissorhands, I love Big Fish though. I'll, I'll get that, but I think I would say maybe after Big Fish. Then I found that I think my only problem with him is. A, I love the style and I love the look. I just wish we had more depth now. Cause it's like, right, he's been around, right. you know, I mean, Batman was his third film. So, I mean, so looking back on it, I, I appreciate it for what it is, but knowing where Burton would go from here, I just kind of wish that he would have developed 
a little bit more depth in his films as far as his characters go. Yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. I mean, I agree, because it's almost like it's almost like you're someone who is an artist who is added in this amazing story, this world. But then I think over time you start to add texture and you add color and then it just kind of muddies the water, if you will. Like so over time, you're forgetting about the story, but now everything is bright and shiny. And, you know, they so I think Burton, I think part of it was like everything he did was like, how can we make this more, you know, like from an artistic point like uh visual right versus like you're forgetting the story (laughs) like you're literally you're like moved away completely from the story and you know that's where this was to me a foundation of that is it's a very simplistic story a retelling of a story of a man who you know becomes a vigilante to fight evil you know and right and it's like it's not overcomplicated, right and it's a story that can be told whereas you know some of these stories they get lost and muddied by you know a lot of the visuals and the artistic you know it just becomes gets lost in in that so i feel like he hits his uh his peak of of like storytelling and visuals a couple years later with ed wood i think that's the peak of burton's career is five years later yeah i feel like that's when he got everything right Uh, I'll, i'll go as far to say sleepy hollow I, I yeah, I, I love Sleepy Hollow. I yeah, I, I love yeah. Sleepy Hollow, but I don't know that that has the depth that you guys are, are looking for, though. Edward definitely has more depth, but I think in terms I think of like, it does. everything Tim Burton, I think it was probably Sleepy Hollow. It's, it was, yeah, it was like a return to his sort of style, right, and stylistic of nature. Yeah. And then the another thing that just has a, a bad effect and it had a bad effect on all the industry is just CGI. Yeah. suddenly everything just becomes cgi and it's it's cost effective right when you're trying to shoot things and shoot around things but take this movie for example as as sean was saying like the nuances of the models and, and everything it's like i forgot watching it you know the other day i was like i forgot how cool it is when you're watching it with all the models and when the bat wing is going up in the air and it falls back and then it like a lot of that was like modeling versus like strong cgi just takes away from the moment you're like oh crap you know look at what uh what's one with um uma thurman it's just so much it's so much you're just like you're drowning in that sort of like style you know that's jill shoemaker's gay batman yeah gay batman series (laughs) (laughs) well yeah because everyone had nipples and like yeah is that why you say it's called gay batman i never noticed these things well i mean mean, the nipples like it like you uh, what you don't see that uh, well joel shoe i mean i I, we were mentioning earlier before he came in that joel Joel shoemaker was in narnia at that point now he's out yeah he's out and about now sort of thing but if, if you look at his work i mean it's very very gay friendly yeah mm-hmm. you know i mean i guess have i you ever, wasn't thinking in those well, let, let, even, well even look, look at let, ivy let's put this way let's, goes and transforms into this like beautiful voluptuous you know like woman and yeah. like is very sultry that's that's like yeah yeah but i mean if you look at jill shaymaker let's take lost boys for instance right right take the girl in lost boys right yeah. How often does the camera gaze on the female in that movie? That's true. <laughs> like two seconds. That's true. I never. Oh, I don't think of I these things. It doesn't matter it's, if it's, it's a gay a, director or a straight director. He's well, I mean, and let's put it this way. You know, it spends a lot of time gazing across Jason Patrick throughout the whole movie. <laughs> well, Pretty a lot much. of people were gazing at Jason Patrick throughout the whole movie. Yeah, but what? But what yeah, I'm saying, not dead. But but, but, but yeah, but no. But what I'm saying is, is that 
look at what the movie's aimed for. Look what it's aimed at, sort of thing. Right. Gotcha. And and to be honest, it's you know it, it was aimed for the the Cineplex straight market sort of yeah, thing. Right. But yeah. but when you look at a simple fact that the female is taking a backseat in the whole movie, she did. And, and look, I often wondered why but, that was. Uh, you know, but, if you, but, but if you if you look, even if you look at even if you look at um um his poison ivy film you know sort of thing the thing is it it, it portrays poison ivy as this beautiful drag queen coming out i mean she's yeah. pretty much you know she's not a female sort of drag, yeah. but but if you look at it the movie is more focused on gazing and beautifully modifying you know robin yeah almost the whole movie you know, yeah. thing, there's a lot of things like, you know, it's like Batman's fighting in the background, but we got, you know, we got Robin center stage all the way through. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That was, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch this Batman now. That, too. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to watch it with my gaydar on it. I, I, I was, I was, <laughs> but, but let's put it, it this way. Even, it, but even with the back, even when he introduces Batgirl, she's, t- I mean, he's introducing Batgirl, who should be one of the main reasons why we're watching this film because he's introduced her. She's still sidelined for yeah. Robin. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. Voices. I never really thought of that before, I guess. We spend I more guess. time uh, gazing on shirtless saxophone player in the Lost Boys than we do on the on uh, on the girl. Yeah, you're right. I <laughs> That's true. I that. forgot about the shirtless saxophone. The shirtless guy. saxophone yeah. guy. We spend more time he, looking at him. Well, you, you also forget about honor. Uh, you also forget about Arnold and him being very buff and like wearing his little robe and like, come on, you don't see that at all, Nikki. Come on, <laughs> close up of Clooney's I know, butt. but I don't think of those things if if it's a straight or no. I mean, think about at, the think about the right? character. I guess think about the character of Victor Freeze. He's not like a, you know, he's a scientist, gentleman, kind of nerdy, geeky guy yeah. that you know turns into Freeze. Right? He's right. not a big buff dude who is like, I'm going to have some girls on my side. You know, he's literally <laughs> like. Dick. <laughs> doing a little ditty what's a ditty he does um the jingle that he does i'm like what? i'm mr white christmas i'm mr snow yeah, yeah. I'm mr. White oh that's right I'm I hello you know vicky <laughs> i but, forgot i forgot but if you but if you look at all joel schumacher's films they all have that in common yeah. Sort of thing. Well, so, now that I think so, about it, I know. She's going to go back and be like, oh my God. I'm going to go but, back and look now. I'll just YouTube all those scenes. It's like, okay. Well, I do say know that, saxophone but, guy. Saxophone guy got a lot of attention. Robin did get a lot of attention, I'll have to admit. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't think about that stuff. Yeah. But saying that with Joel Schumacher, I mean, he is a good director. I mean, I will yeah. give him that. I mean, he's an know, excellent director. He's an excellent director, but there is he does have that in common with everything. I mean, I didn't notice it. I didn't notice it too much at the time, but I think he I think he he came out of the closet when he did Phantom his version of Phantom of the Opera, which is an excellent film, actually. If you look the way it's filmed and the way he what actually film was that, yeah. Keith? Phantom, Phantom, of the Phantom of the Opera with Gerald Butler and oh, Emily yeah. Robson from um what's she do? Emily Robson's on that show. Shameless. Uh, shameless. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, she sings, she sings a hell of a lot better than Sarah Brightman does. She doesn't squawk like she did. Yeah, but yeah. um, but when you see his version of that and how beautiful that is and stuff like this, and that's when he kind of came out. And then when you start, then you re after he came out, then I started re-watching his other stuff, you know, and then it it does become a lot evident. I mean, you don't really notice it the first time around, but it's like once you know something, it's like you just can't unsee it. Yeah. It's kind of a shame that Schumacher is kind of like synonymous with schlock because of Batman and Robin, because he made, uh, I think, eight millimeter falling down eight mo- millimeter, eight millimeter yeah. for a movie that's not a horror movie is one of the most terrifying movies yeah. I've ever seen. It's not movie. a horror film. 
That's yeah. a movie that just makes you feel dirty watching it. Yeah. What movie is that? Eight million Eight million 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 Nicholas Cage. Oh, and Nicholas Cage. That's that movie is just wrenching. I have never that movie is really good. It's an excellent film. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I argued with somebody over it a while back, and I I I, I think that movie was just amazing. It's and it was scary, and it was it was it was uh it was scary, but not in a horror way, but it was a horrifying movie. It it takes you to a dark place in yourself a because very you dark want place. to see Nicolas Cage not just kill these people, you want to see him fucking torment these people and annihilate them yeah it takes you onto the dark ride with it which i which is why i think it's i personally think it's schumacher's best movie but i know people are going to disagree i didn't know he directed that that movie's been and this is again this is all subjective guys you can think any you can think i'm completely off base here but i love (laughs) it because i think it actually achieves everything it, it aims to do you flip a coin between that and falling down, and it's yeah. for the exact same reasons. The I, way that I don't feel like you... I relate to the Michael Douglas character in falling down as well. I don't relate to the character of Michael I Douglas. Do. But I do. I, I totally relate to Michael Douglas. I would I like relate... to get an RPG and go to. Not to that extent, but I every, everyone's had a bad day while sitting in traffic. Everyone's had yep. that day in Grand Road Lock, Rage. Where, road Rage, where you just <laughs> and you go off and have that little fantasy, and then you get that courtesy beep behind you. Oh, okay, I got to drive. Everyone has that little moment. This guy went a little bit more than just. He just had a bad day, sort of like bad day. Sort of like fired. that movie Unhinged, where you know Russell Crowe. I was. Oh just my God! That You're talking about having a fucking bad day. That is the biggest bad day out of all the bad days is unhinged so <laughs> yeah. i mean show on showmaker i mean he did tigerland as well that's him and yeah. phone booth his phone booth i mean taking colin farrell and just keeping him in a phone booth the whole time yeah, I mean, but that was a yeah. Movie. Yeah. making a riveted and of course what sutherland and he's and also jules schoenmacher took the um basically the brat pack or and basically turned them into adults with saint elmo's fire yeah. Yeah. There's that too. So. I don't think I've ever actually seen Phone Booth though. Phone Booth is good. I give it, I, I mean, the thing is, for a 90 minute film and basically about a man's trapped in a phone booth, booth is yeah. one of the most tense films. And you got to be very, very talented to pull that off. I think it was uh, Larry yeah. Cohen wrote that, right? I think so, yeah. I, I thought that was that one up. of those films that I was going to hate, but I couldn't stop watching it. So. But then he's able to give that wonderful gaze on Colin Farrell through the whole movie, isn't he? <laughs> you guys are just reading way too much into this. Trust me, when you when you when you go and rewatch his films, you will see the general. Well, I get, well, I get up, it about so. the Lost Boys. That one I get. But I'm gonna have to go back and watch Robin just a little bit more. I'm gonna probably well, watch a lot of them over again. Go back waiting. to saying go back to saying almost fire. I love uh, that. Ali- <laughs> <laughs> Ali CD, Mayor Winningham, and Debbie Moore. Not a look in. Roblo. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the guy who always looks constipated, Andrew McCarthy. <laughs> he always looks constipated in everything he does. And mm-hmm. Judd Nelson, pretty much our center stage the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, we even get, you know, Roblo, you know, pretending he's playing saxophone for like t- five, six minutes in the film with no shirt on. You're like, okay. But you would use later for Lost Boys. Yeah. Well, he knows oh, what women want, okay? And apparently yeah. men. Some men. Gay 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 men.
he's and, looking out for us. And he and, <laughs> he and he does and he does tend to paint the boys in a lot of his movies looking like they're from gay porno. So that's just yeah. leaving it there, sort of thing. But um, well, I'm gonna going have back to and, keep that in mind from now on. But going back to Tim Burton a little bit, I mean, yeah, I was really into Tim Burton, and and I do, I do like this Batman film for retro sake because it does hold a period when I was used to be like a huge Burton fan, so it does hold that for me. But the only the only problem I would basically find with him is that I don't. I wonder if he does struggle with emotional depth anyway, to a certain degree, because. I know Sleepy Hollow does for me does have emotional death, but I also think that has to do with the cast of characters that he put in that movie that kind well, of look at the comics. Movie. There's not a lot of warm fuzzy in any of the comics either. I think there's just an imbalance. There, there's of- a lot. There's a lot of warm fuzzy. Not, there's well, a lot of depth. There's right. a lot of depth, but there's a lot of depth in the Batman comics yeah. anyway. I would Batman also say- is probably one of your most psychologically in depth yeah. series. I would I also say it's, it's- I've never thought my experience with comic books that they were that emotional no there's a lot of emotional tone i think there's just an imbalance of tone with this because you have a very strong joker and a kind of mediocre bruce not batman bruce bruce is my biggest problem with it because michael keaton didn't play a really good job playing bruce because yeah as you'll see in the next film yeah. There's such a diversity with that yes. he gives us in that character of Bruce and Batman. Whereas this is like, you kind of just are like, yeah, 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 Bruce, bye. Where's Batman? Because <laughs> you're like, he just had, he had no, um, he played billionaire. Yeah. He played billionaire. That was they like the depth really of it. They didn't really give him a whole lot to go on as Bruce Wayne. They no, didn't. but they didn't play him like billionaire playboy. They didn't play, like, I just felt like it was a little bit like, it was... You he know, kind of was he's kind of boring middle-aged man with a lot of money. Yeah, that's exactly what he's, I got out of it. Yeah. He's constantly overshadowed, even in, even in the next movie. Oh, yeah. On the marketing to this, Nicholson is got top filling. Yeah. 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 Nicholson, Keaton, Batman. Uh, and even in the next movie, he's overshadowed by by Michelle Pfeiffer, Danny DeVito, and Christopher Walken. Yeah. I mean, had, that was a real, that was a real cornucopia of casting, though, you know. Well, Batman's always had that problem in the early in the '90s with his the villains overshadowing him. It's the yeah. same thing in Batman uh, Begin or not Batman Begins. Uh, uh, Batman and Robin. Schwarzenegger Batman and Robin first. Yeah. Before it though, Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones. They're so over the top there, and you have Val Kilmer, who's very subdued, very timid, yeah. and it and it wasn't really until the Nolans that they gave the the character a little bit more respect. To more meat yeah i mean just that. also like depth of like going at, through the explorations of becoming what he's become right i just feel like they almost play this film as if he is two different people and they're trying to trick you like right like you get to see bruce and you get to see batman and and you don't know right until and then there's that moment of oh it's it's you know we know because we know the story but it's as if they're trying to like Okay, I wonder if anyone's ever seen or read anything about Batman because if they haven't, we can like trick them, right? Because it feels like they're trying to keep these two personas separate and be like, oh, let's see if people, you know, are going to figure that out. And I'm like, why? I mean, pretty much everyone on the planet knows who Batman is. <laughs> like, do you think that, like, think Christopher, do you think that Christopher, the, the, but, the, but at uh, this point, Superman had something to do with that though? Because you had that to come out, and that was very popular. And they, yeah, they, but, they well, they concentrated on Clark Kent though a lot. Well, I'm trying they, to understand I, I, the dynamic. 
but see, this is where I think there's a difference between the original Superman with the Chris, the original Christopher Reeves Superman, because yeah. I think you had a director who was paying homage and loved the Superman because yeah. he grew up with it. He was a huge yeah. Superman fan. Yeah. Here, Tim Burton, I think he dipped his toes in Superman, um, Batman, but I don't think he was a huge lover of it i mean by the time yeah. he did batman returns he said he never wanted to touch he never wanted to see another right. batman thing ever again he never wanted to touch it yeah but what i will say if we didn't have this batman we wouldn't have batman animated series where we do get the in-depth batman yeah. and all the I other agree. stuff that comes with it i agree and, so this, so, yeah. and this is probably one of the only times that a film is actually given well no i guess we get that with buffy as well where yeah. we get a film that's okay it does well it does what it's supposed to do but then we get a tv series that actually gives a hell of a lot more meat and a lot, lot more pathos to go along with it and then in this case we get the animated series which if it wasn't for you know but tim burton's batman we wouldn't have the look of the animated series which helped lift it into a new level well, of animation anyway so well, as far as the mainstream though the 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 earlier uh iterations of batman they never even delved into who who he is, his parents, and all that stuff. Here, it doesn't doesn't go that in depth, but here we we see his parents being killed when he was a young kid. Because in the '60s, Batman, Adam West is just a millionaire who's taking in this uh, this his young ward, and that's it. We don't get they any don't other. Even I, tell I don't us why he's a ward. They, they, he's just there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, we 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 know we know that there's Anne Harriet and Alfred, and we don't know anything about what happened to Bruce's parents. Right. We just. Who knows? Not in the it, old series. You didn't know shit. Well, I think the yeah. old series, too, they kind of stayed away from the cob, right? You're like, even with your fighting villains, it, it's really hard to, like, do damage to a villain and not be violent. <laughs> like, yeah. and that, this, uh, the series was right, like, right. let's spray him with the gas, and it knocks him out. You know, it's like you can't shoot. You know, like, you can't well, shoot. Well, they did have the pow. Remember the pow, wham, <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, it was still very clouds. cartoon comic. You had to keep everything. Yeah. So you're not going to be and like, every and, and every once in a while, they would have to died. do a bad dance. <laughs> Shot down the <laughs> <That> dance. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, they had to do the pony in the middle of it, you know, yeah. <laughs> and a little bit of a shimmy in the way. Yeah. Even sure. Oh my god, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but um, I also have to think that maybe also like in 1989, there wasn't a lot of emotional depth in films anyway. Really, I mean, we had Dead Poet Society that had death. Probably the most in-depth film oh that god, had a lot of the emotional resonance was when Harry met Sally and probably The Little Mermaid. Right. You know, this is yeah. all within 1989, but there. You know, but you had like Uncle Buck and Papa, you know, and things Uncle like that. But there in Indiana Jones, there's all kind of a lot of spectacle, big block off, which is kind of where we kind of gone to today with the whole Marvel thing. It's all kind of a lot of spectacle and a lot of sight, but there's not a lot of depth going on. Yeah. So Batman's probably a product more of that as well, that, we, you know, we are going to go to the multiplex and we want to see the spectacle of everything. And Batman does deliver on that. Yeah. Oh, def you know? it definitely delivers on the spectacle. So. Until he starts hating on Superman. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like this movie kind of also had a little subtle passing of the torch of the, the um, you know, the scary villain actor kind of went from Jack Palance to, to, uh, to Jack Nicholson in this because Palance was the guy who was the, 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 the gruff badass in so many movies. And it was in the 80s that kind of Nicholson just kind of started kind of taking over that and, and he would do it for a little while. It's it's really cool to see them in a scene together too. Mm -hmm. I yeah, we got more Jack Palance though in a way. 
we do get more of him later and later stuff. I mean, it's because I think it's because of Batman, we kind of get city slickers, don't we? So yeah, it kind of led to a resurgence for him. Oh, um, actually, um, Robert Zadar, when I worked, uh, when I worked with him, uh, cause he went and made tango and cash with, uh, with Jack Palance and Sylvester Stallone after this. And this is just how intimidating Jack Palance was as just, uh, just as a human being. Um, Zadar told me this story. They were sit, uh, they, they were all together somewhere, like a diner or something during uh, during one of the, the meal periods because they were going to be shooting something there later. He said it was like this diner. There are all these mirrors. Like if you're sitting there, just if you're looking over here, like this, looking at the wall, you you can see what's behind you. But Jack Palance was sitting alone, and he was eating with his back to everybody, but he was keeping an eye on the mirror so he could see what everyone was doing. And uh, apparently, there was this one PA. Um, that uh, Robert Zadar said, yeah, this kid was really excited. He's like, oh my God, I get to work with Jack Palance. I, I love Jack Palance so much. I really want to talk to him, but he's kind of intimidating. And Robert Zadar and Sylvester Stallone and all those guys, I guess to kind of just, just kind of mess with the kid, go, go talk to him. He's really, he's really, he's really super cool. Go talk to him. It's like, really? You think, no, no, go, go. And they're all sitting there snickering as this kid walks over and he, he's timidly go, Mr. Mr. Palance. And the way Zadar describes it, Jack Palance is eating and he just kind of looks up and looks at the mirror and looks at the kid through the mirror. And he just looks up at him. The kid's like still intimidated. He goes, I, I've seen every one of your movies. I absolutely love you. You're my favorite actor. And Palance never looking up, never standing up, just looking at him in the mirror. Goes, you've seen all my movies? He goes, yeah, I've seen every one of your movies. Palance gets up, stands and looks at him and goes, name him. The kid's like, wait, what? You said you've seen all my movies. Not, not intimidating at all. Not one bit. <laughs> and he's like Stallone and uh, Zadar and all those guys are just cracking up because it looks like this kid's just shitting himself. And Jack Pound's like, you said you've seen all my movies. Name them. All of them. Like, and <laughs> Space 1999. <laughs> Was he in Space 1999? Yeah. Interestingly enough, Jack Palance's uh, oh, that was Martin Landau. Sorry, Jack Palance's daughter is actually Drusilla from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, how funny! Yeah, and who's actually Jodie Foster's ex girlfriend? Really, really, I didn't know that. I didn't know his kids went into acting. Yeah, well. No, sorry. No, I take that back. That's Julie. It's Lant Martin Landau. That type. Palace. I'm getting mixed up. Sorry. <laughs> Keith's starting the rumor mill oh, already. No. <laughs> I'm never gonna be able to name any Jack Palance films. Jack Palance is really great as Bella Lugosi and Ed, in Tim Burton's Ed Boy. Yeah, sorry. I'm getting them mixed up, aren't they? No, no. Juliet Landau is Martin Landau's they did look alike. daughter, who is Jodie Foster in Murphy. So, yeah. Sorry, they no. did look alike. Martin Landau and Jack Pounce did look alike, so I, I totally don't blame you for that one. And I also think because Martin Landau did a lot of films with um, Tim Burton, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I was just yeah. making the joke that, yeah, Jack Pounce is great as, as Bella Lugosi and Ed Wood. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm getting, I'm getting slightly confused. So. Yeah, it happens. I get people confused all the time.
So as my old as my old age takes me over, what we're gonna do now? We'll talk about Batman Begins before I dig myself in a bigger ditch, <laughs> which is a 2005 superhero film directed by Christopher Nolan and written by Nolan and David S. Goyer. The film is based on DC Comics character Batman. It stars Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne slash Batman, Michael Caine, Liam Neeson, Katie Holmes, Gary Oldman, Killian Murphy, Tom Wilkinson, Rupert Howard. Ken Watabe and Morgan Freeman in supporting roles. The film reboots the Batman film series, telling the origin story of Bruce Wayne from the death of his parents to his journey to becoming Batman and his fight to stop Ra's al Ghul and the Scarecrow from plunging Gotham City into chaos. Um, after Batman and Robin, that pretty much panned by critics and underperformed at the box office. It pretty much killed the franchise until Christopher Nolan decided that he would like to bring give it a give it a try but before that a studio did reject a batman origin story which was reboot by josh whedon who was riding high from buffy at that time in De december 2002 but border brothers decided to hire nolan in january 2003 to direct a new film as nolan and goyer have been getting development on the film in early 2003 they were aiming for a darker more realistic tone compared to the previous films a primary goal for the revision was to engage the audience emotional investment in both the batman and bruce Wayne's identities of the lead characters so what we're going to do is going to cut to the trailer of Batman Begins. I'll be right back. Tell us, Mr. Wayne. What do you fear? How do you know my name? The world is too small for someone like Bruce Wayne to disappear. Your parents' death was not your fault. My parents deserve justice. I cannot let that pass. If you make yourself more than just a man, then you become something else entirely. Which is? A legend, Mr. Wayne. Master Wayne, are you coming back for long, sir? As long as it takes to show the people of Gotham their city doesn't belong to the criminals and the corrupt. Bruce? Rachel? You were gone a long time. I know. Things are worse than ever down here. What chance does Gotham have when the good people do nothing? No mix survival suit for advanced infantry. Kevlar utility harness, gas-powered magnetic grapple gun. What's that? On the tumbler? Oh, you wouldn't be interested in that. I spent a lot of time being scared for you. When I heard you were back. But the man I loved. The man who vanished never came back. He's here. Who? The Batman. God, that must be destroyed. Gotham isn't beyond saving. Just hold on! Rachel! Guy dresses up like a bat clearly has issues. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to Literary Life's Podcast. We're discussing Batman Begins from 2005 and talking to Sean. What are your views of Batman Begins? Batman Begins was a really interesting reintroduction to the character after the 
the Joel Schumacher era. Um, I remember when I saw it for the first time, it was what jumped out at me was Christian Bale, who I, I, I remember at the time thinking that he would be a perfect Bruce Wayne. And I was basing that off of his performance in American Psycho, strangely enough. Uh, yeah. I thought he's very good at playing that that yuppie character, which you yeah. kind of you kind of need to be to play a good Bruce Wayne. You have to put on a good false face. And uh, he was one of the few people that I, I but I was shocked that he was doing it because he was constantly dropping weights and, and putting weight on and dropping weight and putting weight on. And this was... For this one, he had a problem with his weight going up and down, too. Well, because they thought he was too fat, the then he was No, but I also he, think the mechanics, he had to lose a lot of weight before this, because wasn't he mechanics yeah. before, which he dropped yeah. a lot of weight in It was that. either before or after, but yeah, going yeah. to between one to the next. And by the way, he's still true to this day, because he did this for, for Thor. He dropped yeah. a lot of weight to play that sure. character, so... And it's 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 really uh, it's a really interesting performance from from Christian Bale because we get the bat voice and mm -hmm. it, it, and that's kind of become a meme at this point. But <laughs> uh, aside from that, I, I don't know. I, it's just the knowing the comics the way I did because I had gotten more into them at that point. I kind of knew the red herring going into it with Ken Watanabe and and uh, Liam Neeson and it's if you can get if you didn't know that and if you didn't realize it then you can kind of really enjoy the movie i remember taking it was taking me out of it because i'm just like when's liam showing up i know liam's showing up this is it's he's gonna come back well and, you also have the batman animated series that kind of has this all going on at the same time well. prior to that so yeah they have that de mm -hmm. they definitely educated the audience a lot more in that time but the thing i was looking out for the most was uh i remember uh Around that time, Darren Aronofsky was in the running to possibly do a reboot of Batman, very similar to the Matt Reeves version, a lot more stripped down. Uh, he wouldn't have a, a Batmobile. It'd be more like a, a, a Corvette or a Trans Am with a jet engine on the back. It was going to be a lot more gritty based off of year one, uh, the year one comic. And, th and that was kind of, uh, so when I went into this, I was expecting a little bit more rawness. I didn't realized that we were going to get kind of a a mob story at first uh, mixed in with this whole uh mystical backstory and with with the with the gas and then you get a little bit of corporate espionage with rugger Hauer. it was it had it all it had mm -hmm. everything in it and the yeah. that you don't get and it coming from joel schumacher and tim burton it felt like okay you're grown-ups now it's been 15 yeah. years. We can right. start treating you like grown-ups. Let's let's give you an adult Batman because this comic, at at its core, is really for older kids and adults. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I have. To, yeah, go ahead, Keith. I have to turn and say that. Thank God. I mean, I do like Christopher Nolan film a lot. I'm not so much that I, you yeah. know, I'm a fanboy, but I do love his films. But I. They thank God they had a director who was able to balance everything because there's a lot going on in this movie and everyone, every story yeah. is very, very well drawn out and able to be put together. And this is huge jigsaw puzzle that comes together fantastically well. Yeah. You know, to bring in an origin story. And then, I mean, and we got 
pretty much three villains going on at the same time here. Yeah. But each of these villain stories are very, very well drawn out. And we don't normally we don't normally get that in a second or third version of any of these superhero films. And he's able to do this in the first one that's introduced this and able to balance all that. And you do get the and this does have the emotional resonance through it. You do feel what he's going through and what he needs to do and why, you know, and you get, you know, the I mean the only the only downside I I have about this is Michael Caine as Alfred. Really? Because I liked it. I liked him. Yeah. I think I he's okay, but the, the problem with the problem with him is that basically this is Michael Caine doing Cider House rules. So it's like yeah. I just like, yeah. I just, just I kind of expect him to be doing abortions for all the um poor people in the town <laughs> leader. <it. laughs> I can't. But, but, um, <laughs> Damn. The night prince of Gotham. Come to Wayne Manor. I can give you a coat hanger. <laughs> so, but, um, coat, of course. But but and the thing is, I think Michael Caine does a good job. Yeah. But for some reason, is that when you saw Michael Goff in the previous thing, and then when you see the Alfred character in the animated series, just from having, and the thing is, we don't really get a lot of Alfred backing story at all really you yeah. know you kind of but yeah I guess. when michael kane for some reason he didn't seem like he came back with any backing story and the other ones even yeah. though there's no backing story you just felt like there's a backing story there and you believed in it and yeah. michael kane kind of felt like <clears throat> we got we got we got an academy award-winning actor here yay <laughs> kind of yeah. like that and he's english he has an english accent even though he doesn't have an english accent he's got pretty much a common East End accent. That's what Michael Caine. Um, yeah. I like Michael Caine as an actor. I guess he kept the things upset, kind of, kind of whenever you know. I guess Christian Bale fell asleep. You know that scene where he's been drugged and he wakes up the next morning. You know, after yeah. he gets gassed and stuff. Yeah, Apparently, yeah. he actually fell asleep while he was waiting for. Uh, oh, that's for in the yeah, car or actually Michael, no, on the bed? No, oh. in bed. It was the bed scene. Yeah. And he came over and apparently Michael Caine was poking him in the ribs saying, what do you see? Wake up. Wake up? I, think, I don't know. I got a kick out of that little thing. I think what is brilliant about this isn't that by itself is an amazing movie to me, in my opinion. But I love it. the three of the movies together are so well written. Like I actually have went through them over and over and over again. And it's as, it's as if there was so much thought put into it that from the very beginning, they knew they, the growth of the characters from beginning to end. Because right, when you get to even right. where Alfred is in the last movie, there's such a, I'm done with your shit. Either yeah. grow the fuck up or die, right? Like he's just like done. And this, yeah. he is playing the father figure to someone who is just really lost and kind of trying to help him find his way and just trying to be a leading hand. So I, I kind of, you know, for me that his role was sort of that and it, and it summed up enough for me i think um it's also hard to balance a cast of characters that are so strong scarecrow exactly. they're all you have you have you know yeah. liam neeson who you know was it, aka ross it's like you have these characters that are like so strong characters trying to balance it out the only one that i <laughs> thought was very flat was katie holmes yeah. It was uh, kind actually, of confusing when her. I moved to the second movie because I was like, oh, it's the same girl. Because I remember the first time watching the second movie going, too. wait, how does she know him? And who is she? And then I, at one point, my friend was like, it's Rachel Doss. And I was like, they should have put a, hey, this is Rachel Doss. Because I was completely. And for, and 
Oh, I forgot how that was. It just Katie Holmes couldn't couldn't do the second one. Was I, that yeah, the I think one? they just were like, we're gonna we we have to continue with that Ooh. character, and we just will move on. Yeah, which which I Holmes. wish they would probably dealing with her yeah. Scientologist husband. No, stuff. they asked they they asked no they asked Katie Holmes to come back, but at that point there was a there was a problem with um her divorcing. She was oh, going okay. through her divorcing okay. at that yeah. time. But I mean, oh, they picked no. Maggie 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 Gyllenhaal, which I love subsequently in the second right. film. I just felt like Katie Holmes was. Um, I would have liked was, to see her do more. She was, you know, trying to be this strong, you know, character DA. You know, eventually that it just didn't feel. It felt like everyone else grew up. Like Bruce grew up, right? He oh, was like, maybe. you can picture the college Bruce, right? And then by the end of his, you know, his transformation, you can see he's grown up and these different layers to himself. Her, you can, you can only act as good as you're written for, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. To be honest, I kind of disagree with Katie Holmes. I thought I, I liked her in this because I think oh, this I is the first her, time. I thought she could have been what? stronger. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking that I think for me, and this is probably the first time in a superhero film that you had a decent female that basically had a good storyline. Right. Normally yeah. they're just they're normally they're just eye candy. And I mean, right. Gwyneth well, Paltrow yeah. and Iron Man. I mean, she's kind of like just there as Pepper. He's kind of like, okay. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. She's like, you know, she's na- like the nagging wife that's not really married. <laughs> she's yeah, doing that. Those, I never got anything from her. I was I was always like, she just kind of feel she's in how how many movies in that universe and. Yeah. Right. I always she got the vibe movie. like she she'll do them, but don't don't write too much for me. I'll be in your movie. Just don't write. Yeah, me put me here. Much. Put me. Oh, I've do never it. been a big. I'll do a scene with Robert. I'll do a scene with. I'll take the paycheck. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. What, 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 what has she what, done what that's like Oscar material? Has she done anything else? Yeah, Shakespeare, Shakespeare in Love and Sliding Doors. And Elizabeth. Uh, no, be, before she before she married Chris, uh, um, Coldplay, boring guy. You know, she she did she did quite well, and then she kind of married him, and kind of. Dropped off. Well, I mean, she, okay. she, she does she does a lot of the films by um I don't the Royal Ten the Royal Tenenbaums fantastic movie yeah really good you know, um and I the, don't follow her as much. she's got but, the goop industry at this point and that's kind of what she's doing for the she's the been goop. doing the vagina candles she's doing the goop no can you imagine goop. what that day at work was like <laughs> coming up yeah. with the name goop. Goop. No, goop. no. Do these candles smell like my vagina? Oh, my God. <laughs> God. Like, oh, God. Wait, no. she did. Well, she does vagina candles. I can have we, not personally Can we go one. back to talking about Gotham for a second? <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> so Sorry, the other, the other thing, the other thing that's amazing, it, <laughs> the other thing that's amazing is is <laughs> Gotham in itself because Gotham, the, the actual city is a character in itself and it's it's sort of like again a testament to each film is testing the character of every single person that lives there you think it's always about yeah they did it was you think it's always about do you know that a drunk hit the batmobile a what in a state of panic and believing that the batman's vehicle was to be invading alien spacecraft yeah yeah we have Yeah. Uh, I always dig up these little facts about stuff because there's always some weird shit out there. I was like, yeah, you have that in black. I love, I like, I love that line. You have that in black. Gotham, Gotham in this movie is a fucking hellhole. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. More so than in the Burton movie. Like when you, well, when you well, a part of Rachel... Gotham, right? A part of Gotham because it's the, what is it the, 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 um, the, the, the narrows, the narrows, which yeah. is important because, like, so as Keith was saying, how there is sort of this transformation from from film to series, animated series. Right. 
from and from a gaming perspective, they took that same modeling and built really strong games out of this modeling right. that you have like the villains are all in Arkham and now they're not in Arkham. Now they're in a city. Like there's a section that we'll give to them all the, the low, you know, low lives are all there. And as long as they're there, the rest of society can be great and clean and, and, you know, and it, I like love that. Now. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, well, I mean, be, I mean, it's a bit like, um, I mean, if you look at Chicago in a, in a, overview anyway chicago is like you know you do have you know homeless and people like that but they tend to be under waker avenue don't they waker drive yeah, <laughs> yeah. Under you know, waker drive and so 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 but but the thing is waker drive is basically under like you know marshall fields and all the other stuff above it sort of thing and water yeah. tower and all that and so you know and the thing is and this is very much a metropolis kind of view right. anyway for its yeah. metropolis where the rich mm -hmm. are living on the top and the high and the poor are very i didn't know they filmed so. it in chicago though till this morning actually well don yeah. well, uh has told me because you used to live you used to live near like where the dividing line was uh, for or well, well, not for that particular area. I used what, to for the good side or the purge side. There, it, the way that uh, the way that Chicago was laid out back before um, Cabrini Green, the infamous Cabrini Green from the Candyman movies. Right. The way where those projects were is right next to, literally within a thousand feet, uh, some of the highest real estate in the city. It's right the at the heart yeah, of the loop, and it's it's it, you, it's literally one of those things you go across an L track. And suddenly you're in the Gold Coast. They've been wow. gentrifying the area for a lot for the last 20 years, but it was back in the around this time. No kidding, did not know it, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I lived in Chicago in 1987, and I lived in Printers Row, yeah, South okay. Loop. And you know, the thing is, is like you had the 50 style McDonald's, but if you went on the other side of the 50 style <laughs> McDonald's, oh, yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. it's still like that. There's there's areas of Evanston. Yeah. Where there's uh, there's the there's the area that's um, uh, basically run by Northwestern University, and that area is all clean and beautiful. But you literally, like Sean says, you literally cross the tracks to right. the other side. Yeah. Lower and income houses, lower income, lower income yeah. It's like here in Dallas too. Same I, I think that's. I think that every major city has that. London has it city. as well. Houston is I mean, a total shithole. If you've ever been there. Oh my God. I well, feel like that's I mean, what the moral of this whole story though, too, is yeah. like the reset, yeah. right? As that's Roz right. is trying to do. And like that, that in itself, I remember watching that film that's was a like, good point too, that's, that's pretty nefarious. But at the same Very. time, I could see how an organization's like, we're going to do a full reboot and cause something really bad to happen. It'll just reset. We'll just build it back yeah. the way we want it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's what Raz Al Ghul is basically doing here. Yeah, that's his that's his, his intention is we're yeah. going to make it doing again because he's done it multiple times. He's well, like, well, we did it here. We did it here. You know? And Bane carries it forward in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a carry the League of Shadows. That's Liam the League of Shadows. Was the from the I think the the second one is amazing because it's it is almost the totality of the human nature of who, who we are and what we're capable of. And so the Joker, you know, Heath Ledger, I mean, that that was like, it. You, like I just remember watching it going, wow, it does challenge the mind as a person, what you're capable of doing for whatever that reason. That was an unusual movie, the Joker. But it was so good. I mean, I mean, then you get into Walking Phoenix, who's similarly. Well, it wasn't, it was nothing was like it. anything we'd ever seen. No, Joker. no. It was totally yeah. different ball game. Yeah. Because he was more about show. I think the comic book version of the Joker was all about 
show and pomp and circumstance and this way he blows was, things up and just walks and, away yeah, with the yeah. entire and brimstone yeah. Yeah. well he he made or he didn't make he challenged people to make the choice for themselves would you do right. this or would you do that right and you know there are consequences but what are you going to do right, you know right yeah I feel I feel like the the the, the Walking Phoenix Joker movie. It may, it's not not like anything we've seen in the superhero genre, but it's basically uh, Scorsese's King of Comedy and um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Taxi Driver kind of kind of yeah. combined, meshed. Mm -hmm. The Taxi yeah. Driver is that what you said? Uh, taxi Driver and uh, King of Comedy. Yeah, Robert De Niro's um, two Martin Scorsese's characters right. meshed together to make one Walking Phoenix for the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah, that's one way of looking at it, I guess. I never thought mm -hmm. of that before. If you watch King of Comedy uh, with Robert De Niro and Jerry Lewis, you'll see a lot of similarities with Arthur with Arthur Fleck. Mm -hmm. You know that he took, a, was it a, a Christopher Nolan took them, the whole film crew, to a private screening of Blade Runner, the 1982. This is how we're going to make Batman, apparently. Oh, wow. That was the premise, Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I think what that. Christopher Nolan, I, I, what's interesting about Christopher Nolan's Gotham City anyway is that, yeah, you kind of have a Chicago overcoat, which right. a lot of it shot. Yeah. But if you also notice, he he did what most comic books did, whether it's Metropolis or Gotham, but basically he amalgamated a lot of other buildings to make it into yeah. you know, Super Center. Well, to yeah. make it Gotham, because what, do, what yeah. does Gotham mean? Sort of thing, or what yeah. did Metropolis mean? Like, so yeah. if, you know, if, and I think that's probably where Superman kind of gets it wrong because Superman always settles everything in New York City. For everything yeah. I don't know if like these guys City. will remember, but then the where, first Superman, though, or, uh, Batman, though, they the mayor looked like Ed Koch. Do you know what I'm talking about, Keith? In it, the '89 one, yes, yeah, he does kind of look like yeah. Ed Koch. He looks like yeah. exactly yeah. like Ed Koch. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't think of that for sooner, but. But but the but the but the comic book but the comic book cities of Gotham City and Metropolis are basically a conglomeration of every major city in the world. Right. That's probably, yeah, yeah. I agree so, with that. Yeah. And then I think if Superman was going if they were gonna do another Superman movie, it probably would be wise to do what Christopher Nolan has done here and what other Metropolis. people have done. And take New York City and pretty much Parker. add Chicago, add Houston, add Tokyo, add all the countries. I yeah. want to say these. in Batman yeah. v Superman, uh, Metropolis is because I've seen a couple of the Chicago skyscrapers in the background of the uh -huh. memorial, but I've also seen Pittsburgh and I've seen Detroit. Yeah. So I think it's like, a, a so like it is a combination of all it is a combination of all the cities. By the way, you can get away with it because it is like a multiverse. So if people are like comedy. <laughs> it's like it is part of the multiverse. You know, it could be anywhere. What? I mean, but Pittsburgh he, also is the is the city that uh, when Charles Dickens that Charles Dickens called uh, Gotham. Yeah. So it makes and it sense. It was used as Gotham in uh, uh, Dark Knight Rises. They they yeah. went to Pittsburgh to film it. It wasn't Chicago. Um, the bridges blowing up though are the bridges linking Manhattan and Brooklyn. Okay, so That's it's a the combination. Yeah. So it's a combo. There's yeah, New York yeah. City in there too because he's blowing up the the Manhattan Bridge, or was it the Williamsburg? I thought I it was the Verrazano Narrows, but I. I thought because those were so expensive. There's on the other side. That's that, uh, that's on the other side of Brooklyn. Uh, okay, Staten yeah, Island. you're right. You're right. It's been some time. But if you, but if you look at the com if you look at the comic books anyway, if you look at the buildings that are in the background as a setting for Batman, or so, yeah. you notice that you know you'll see like a, a Chicago building, and then you'll see like a Tokyo, and you'll see like a London yeah. building, or you know, and they're always that's and that's what Gotham means. It's kind of like a conglomerate. Conglomerate. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, actually really love think about it. Gotham is is Metropolis by night in a lot of these. Oh yeah, yeah. It's what Joe. Yeah. Gotham is kind of Metropolis by night if you really look at the uh, if you really look at the comics because it's a lot of the same buildings. 
it's just yeah. it's it's more it's more bright and light and shining in, in yeah. Superman, but in Batman it's dark and gritty and gritty grimy and, and yeah, yeah. Indu- very industrial. Very. But, but have you ever but have you ever noticed with um, Batman always seems to fight his crimes in the dark and not because Superman always fights. He's not doing it in the, day. in the daylight. That's for yeah. real. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, I know they do fight vice versa. Don't get me wrong, but every time I think of Superman, I always think I'm fighting during the daytime for some reason. Well, Batman also that's part of camouflage, right? You're like hiding and how are you going to hide in bright? You're literally a big bat. Like, you can't miss a big bat in <laughs> yeah, the daytime. Yeah. <laughs> you're kind of like in the shadows, aren't you? But then you do, also- wonder, you do wonder, like, during the day, then why wouldn't you just commit more crimes during the day? Because <laughs> you're like, hey, he's not Only amateurs go out at night, well, I guess. Well, Batman is fighting crime on the ground level, whereas Superman... Yeah. What he's fighting is usually something larger than life. Like, yeah, global, usually. Yeah. Well, he's superhuman, isn't he? That's the difference. And Batman's human and Superman's superhuman. He's not, well, he's an alien, really, isn't he? Also, Superman uh, gets most of his powers from the rays of our yellow sun. Yes. So there's that aspect of it, too. He's stronger during the day. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know that. They never explicitly say it. They just say he gets his power from from the sun. Yeah, well, his son, his former planet was a red sun. It was ours, the yellow sun. So the yellow right. sun has a different effect on his species. Yeah. Gotcha. Just like if we okay. were on the on in his planet, maybe we would be super because it's a different sun, you know. And as mentioned, um, as I mentioned, animated series don't understand why he doesn't get Lois get rid of all the kryptonite. Just don't, don't just get rid of there. the kryptonite. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, go pick there. it all up for me. Yeah. Apparently, when they did this film and inspired the James Bond producers, uh, Michael Wilson and uh, Barbara Broccoli, to reboot the James Bond franchise and reinvent the character of James Bond, making him more darker and more realistic with Casino Royale. And yeah, I thought that was the Bourne movies that pushed him. It was Batman. It was Batman Begins that really pushed him. Yeah, that was apparently Batman that inspired them to go dark. Okay, I, I would thought it would be the Bourne. The Bourne. And you know what? I'm happy with that because Casino Royale, Skyfall are two of the best bond movies ever i still think i still think that um craig looks like a a human potato i don't know it's just me (laughs) a human potato oh my god he does he's got a potato head he looks like the brother he looks like the brother of the guy who used to sing for jimmy somerville who used to sing for a bronski beat and you know um, don't leave me this way with the communards he's got a potato head Um, I love Bruce's character in this just because um, there's there's a moment I was actually I was writing I was watching and I was I was listening to him say something in the writing for it when he decides that he can't be like he has some he he's pretty much has to be a dick of a billionaire like he just has to be this snarky sort of like like, you know just idiot because he he knows that if he is something that's taken seriously that the focus would be on him so you'd yeah. rather just play a, a well alfred told him that yeah well, no but i'm say, saying like that 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 scene is with like models in a fountain yeah. yeah he has to pretend to be something always right so he ha- he can't be and then i love that line towards the end when you know rachel says to him like let me know when you're back because you're you can't be who you are like you just can't and and i get you have to protect both personas because one is doing something fiscally for the for the you know for gotham and the other one is doing something to secure gotham and i i just love i love that that little nuance is something because they could have just played him 
straight edge like this is who he is and this is what he is kind of sad because like batman's never gonna find love he's just not well i mean well, that's not he, true he, he does have, he, does have sex. he does have sex with batgirl later on yeah <laughs> That fucking movie. That fucking movie. <laughs> no, no, that's in the comic book series. Well, the comic book and in the games, the video games, they do that too. Yeah. And then he does he also have like an affair Batman with Batman meets Grand Theft Auto. He also has an affair with one of, um he also has an affair with one of the Robins, who's a female Robin as well. Yeah. Carrie, yeah. Has a, Carrie, Equity, Carrie you gotta Kelly? love it. Oh god. Yeah, yeah. I haven't read that one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you could also get in. He get he gets a little you know, one of Raish's daughters, you know, to Talia. 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 Oh, yeah, Talia Damian yeah, Wayne. Well. Damian Wayne, one of yeah. the current Robins is the little little baby, little baby Bruce. <laughs> but I think I mean I'm I'm gonna have to give I mean I I think we're um sorry, Christian Bale I think gives a lot of weight as well because there's there's something that he does that I found that I didn't really notice, but you know, when like he throws everyone out of the party and the older man sits there and goes, your father be ashamed. And he's sitting there. And the thing is, you realize how good of an actor because you see it register in his eyes and his face. Yeah. 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 And yeah. every every little nuance is like sort of thing. Or when someone says something when he's putting Bruce Wayne or he's letting his parents down, he does have he does have a habit of doing that thing with his face that's very, very. So uh, very, very minute, but it's like yeah. you can see where he's an extreme good actor. He is yeah. an extremely good actor. I have to. I mean, I was, I mean, maybe against Michael. Uh, Mike, I like Michael Keaton. I but to be honest, I really didn't know if Michael Keaton could act until I saw The Birdman when he did yeah, Birdman, yeah, yeah. and then I realized what he is actually an excellent actor. But um, and I'm kind of wondering, like, where have you been hiding all this time? But up until that point, I I like Michael Keaton. I mean, I like Mr. Mom. I like Beetlejuice, and you know, and that car, and that sort of. Those thing. at night but, shift for their love brokers. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I like, I love, I like Night Shift as well. One of Ron Howard's better films for me. I, you know, that's that, that's kind of disappeared. I love really. that movie. So, but um, but yeah, where Kristen Bale is like, I think he, I, I think I liked him in American Psycho, but because you didn't see too much of him. I mean, before American Psycho, for me, I saw him in Newsies. Newsies, well, when everyone knows him from. Yeah, Newsies. Oh, but yeah. and and that horrible, annoying kid in Empire of the Sun. Oh, he's a little boy. Yes. Oh my god, him? I forgot about that. Oh my god, is gosh. that him? Yes. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. And I, I just remember. That? And the thing is that every time that woman started singing in the soundtrack, I think like, oh "God, Julie Andrews, please shut up." <laughs> <laughs> but that—that that was him. I mean, he's—he's he's well. He's not even English. I mean, he's not—he's—he's he's Welsh. He's not even—he's not English, and he's not American. But I have something to say yeah. that he's really come into his own, and um, and outside of his little you know, thing that, you know, they tried to destroy him when we needed Terminator when um, basically he yelled out the crew that got filmed. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's kind of taken like kind of a back step a little bit. And it's kind of ashamed really, because, yeah. you know, I think, I think we got, you know, if we're going to name some of the greatest actors of our time, I think Kristen Bale is kind of going to be there at some yeah, point. Absolutely. He, yeah. he is good at like, I think they trust him to take a moment to improv because there's moments within this film you could tell they just let him like just let him do <laughs> it's the same with nicholson i'm sure at the same point with the joker like he's doing him and like there's there's moments where you're like i'm sure they were just like let the camera roll just right whatever we get great whatever we don't we'll can but like there there there's just these like moments with him where 
you could tell, like he says, he has this like subtlety in the way he looks at something and does something and how he gauges um, fear. Like, you know, this whole movie, a lot of it is about fear and knowing your fear and facing your fear and all that. And there was just a way of like, how do you do that without overacting, right? Like there's moments where you're like, oh, you can be very overacting into fear, but like you can tell he's mastering this level of fear, just how he portrays it in the way he acts. And it, you know, it's fantastic. But it does have a drawback having him do this character as well, because it kind of ruins it for any future movies coming along. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bruce, I mean, let's tell you that Ben Affleck's never going to live up to this. Is yeah. No. Robert I mean, Pattinson, I like ben Affleck. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I would that say that Robert Pattinson, that one was, I was impressed. I was actually, I went in very apprehensive and just saying, oh, I don't know how I'm going to like this. And I literally watched it a month ago i hadn't seen it my friend was like how, how have you not seen this and i was like i don't know i just kind of passed me by he does a great you know i would say almost a little bit like he mimics the crow a bit a little bit too much but like bit. he does yeah. a great job in a very brooding torture yeah, he's a great brood it's a much though. different I mean, just, it's a torture bruce wayne like yeah. it's like i don't know if i want to live or die and i guess i'm just going to do this for now that's the way i felt that bruce was okay. well he's the, he's the bruce wayne that came about in the post 9 11 era i was yeah. gonna say grew up with a couple of recessions post 9 11 yeah that's he's gonna be a little bit more a little bit more uh burnout and and, yeah. and uh, hating of the world yeah, I haven't. And also, I haven't I'll do it on my yet. own, right? Like, I'm not going to yeah. use my money. I'll do it on my own. I know how to yeah. build things. He's a he is a detective, so I do say with this that is a one element that does kind of miss with Bale is that you don't get the detective Batman. You get like he does. He has cool gadgets because yeah. his, his company paid for, it, but you don't get the the Bruce that's like, let me figure this out, right? Everyone else is like figuring it out for him, you know? And it's like, oh, by the way, it's this and this and this. Oh, okay, great. You know, like, and then he kind of is told, oh, the serum got dumped into the water and it's activated. And Lucius is telling him and he's like, do I, am I supposed to know what this means? Like, he, like he's just like- Yeah, and Rachel Dawes is pointing things out to him and he's like, aha, okay, I gotta go, I gotta go to this building and figure yeah. this out. Yeah, Even but, I, but, I also, but I also take that to the simple fact, the reason why I, maybe I kind of accepted that in this is because- He's gone. He's he's presumed dead before he comes back. So he doesn't. Right. I mean, a lot can change in seven years' time. So I kind of yeah. Uh, Is that I how kind of long he there. was gone? Yeah, yeah he was gone years. seven years. Yeah. Seven years. He's legally. I would dead. also. He was spending more time physically getting stronger and mentally getting stronger, but not like it's a one thing to have a whole education and go like, hey, I'm going to go to tech school or whatever and like be a brain and be you know do all that. So. I just he dropped that, out of college, didn't he? he dropped out yeah. of Princeton. Yeah. So he didn't off, continue. So what's went his off time of, frame? How old is Batman supposed to be right now? In this late twenties, mid no. He turned thirty. Yeah, 20. 20. His, his birthday is his birthday. Okay, okay. 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 I was trying to. Yeah. I knew they had the birthday party, and I didn't see any. Yeah. So I think thirty. So he was mid twenties when he dropped out of school, and then yeah. Yeah. That cape they made. They made his cape because I was wondering. The cape was kind of cool. They made it with a technique called electrostatic flocking. And it was they, the crew had to learn how to do this from the Ministry of Defense. And it was to decrease night vision visibility of objects. So it was an actual parachute fabric brushed with a, like glue and stuff to make it make him look dark, you know? Yeah. When he would, it, it's such a flowing, cool cape. I mean, it was really actually, you know, military grade cape. <laughs> I mean, I love all the tech in this, in this and it, and it yes. makes sense like that's the thing that's like 
because a lot a lot of films too where all that stuff comes from where yeah it just yeah but it just makes sense versus like in some movies it's like oh i can build this no problem and they're literally in their garage you know like i'm gonna make a suit you know and you're like no no like this is like oh i have to just spray it it's it's all well in this it's all military stuff that like military grade hardware that he's yeah the government was like we don't want to spend three hundred thousand dollars per soldier to give them this this suit yeah. yeah. Well, another thing is we don't know time frames as well. That's kind of a bit shaky. A I mean, the thing is, when he comes back to Gotham until he does the final battle, we could be talking about a year or two, two or three years going on yeah. here. Yeah. Because you don't yeah. know. Because if you think about it, by the time he gets the back, hey, by the time he evacuates, okay, by the time he makes this, oh, and builds actually, it. Yeah, stuff, that's true. Builds that. I mean, yeah. that's going to take time because the thing is, it's only him and Bill, um, him built. Yeah, how do they build the together, back so. cave? Just the two of them. Oh my God, really? Well, I mean, they were able to at least kind of elaborate that it was a it was a uh, underground 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 foundation. Yeah. Underground. So, well, no, but it had, it had the mechanism to go up and down and stuff. But it's like, how do you? You know. Well, it was the Underground Railroad, but they had, but it was also the, the housing East Side Foundation. So I guess everything was already there, and I guess yeah. they just needed to. Yeah, yeah, they needed yeah. to build the the gadgets and the and the actual space to or housing, to yeah, for housing, housing. Yeah. and and I guess they would have to find a way to get the back car out of the. Yeah, I know the, bat, the Batmobile. <laughs> they had to build a driveway. Yeah, yeah they're like, to see that when they to describe what it was, the Batmobile, they're going, it's a black tank. Well, can you imagine also, <laughs> too, like having out. contractors come in and do the work and like, you want to yeah, build so. a driveway into a cave? Like, just shut up and do it. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I mean, like, somebody had to build the back cave. There's no yeah. way that they had enough manpower between yeah. him and an old butler to do that shit. So something <laughs> well, had to happen somewhere. They did I mean, at least we, give we, you a. We do, we do get we do get a very primitive back cave in this yeah. anyway, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. But the same because basically it's like you know I think he's just using it as a workshop to put his outfit together really yeah and, uh, and, and make his gadgets his little and, 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 and the only the only electron I mean there's no back computer there's no yeah no none of that at the, at that time the only thing they pretty much had to get working probably was the elevator getting it up and down sort of thing really I and think by were, the yeah. third film is where they actually add in the technology aspects, but also yeah. the repercussions of the technology and the aspects. So that was like well, a very interesting progression to that. But that well, is blowing up. That's blowing up um, Wayne Manor as well. And so that gives you kind of a reboot. A so reset. Start, yeah. So that basically, if you're going to rebuild the manor, you can pretty much put things where you want to now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and and yeah. They, 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 they make it clear, like in this movie now, Lucius Fox is now aware of everything. Whereas in the beginning of the movie, yeah. he's like, oh yeah, I'm using the suit to go spelunking. And you can yeah. tell right away Shut with, up. with Morgan Freeman, he's like, oh, well, he was like, he, he's like, I, he's like, what is his line? I'm an educated man. Don't treat me like I'm dumb. Like, like he's yeah. like, don't, yeah, yeah no. He wanted, what he wanted it's to your go. stuff what anyway. It? The way I see it, this all belongs to you, Mr. Yeah. Wayne. I and I love, I love his jumping. line at the end when the other guy gets fired. You didn't get the memo? I I loved, oh my God. Oh my God, that was excellent. Yeah. Right but this Robert actually, back though, did he? But, but this movie actually shows him kind of building, you know, a small team, but a team. And you can see where Lucius Fox would be the guy who'd be like, no, he's we, the gadget man at Wayne, at Wayne Industries. You got you got your El, you got Alfred who's looking. He's your point man. Who's, who's going to. Yeah, and he always has to bring all the gas chicks home. You ever notice Alfred's always bringing everybody home? He shouldn't be. They need someone just to do that shit. 
The butler oh, taking cast out women that. home from Wayne Manor, that's going to cause something. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. not, no. that's not a good look. Not a good look. Oh. Oh, one, one drunken chick taking the wrong elevator, winding up in the back cave. Gotta, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're like, no, they're like, oh, he's got a dungeon. Look at him. He's kinky. <laughs> I will say this. I do, I do like the fact that they did take at least a couple of seconds to explain that he was buying his mask and the parts for his mask in bulk. Yeah, yeah. Dumb yeah. So that way that was it. Um, try to explain that. All right, he he bought so many of these parts. We'll have spares, but yeah. at least yeah. they're trying to explain. All right, this is how we'll get it in. They didn't do it with the bat with the with the Batmobile or anything else, but they were at least trying to. Yeah, they were. This is probably the first one I've ever I've ever seen trying to explain where they got all their stuff from yeah. to start implementing it into their crime fighting life. The but one I thing mean, I thought that would be kind of cool is that they would have tied in because you get in a larger sense that the city has this sort of, you know, nefarious system that's in place yeah. that no one well, knows about. I know, but I wish it would have introduced the court of owls, which are kind of doing now and they're doing a lot more, but it, it is sort of like this underlying thing. That's always been the comic books. That would have been a great right, right. way to just kind of say the deeper problem. Isn't all these little individual things. It's this, organization that is literally controlling the movement of everything that's happening in gotham you know i do give it it has some easter eggs in there like when batman goes and visits commissioner gordon he tells barbara to get back inside yeah yeah that was well, Bar nice. barbara and barbara jr because she's got barbara she's got barbara baby inside so so his yeah. wife is barbara and his the daughter is is a junior which is going to be which will eventually become batgirl yeah so that was quite yeah. that's quite like oh that's quite nice that they actually just i mean it's just one simple throwaway line but it's like oh okay that's cool well they also have other characters that if you're a huge comic book fan you'll know just by the mention of the names that you're like oh that's this you know they have Victor other characters scarecrow doesn't yeah, come so back Zaz. after this does he or yeah he is. yeah he does it He's in the he's final. In, he's in the he's finale. In all three movies, actually. Yeah, he's in all three. He's, yeah. Oh, that's in, right, because he's, he's in Arkham, right? He's in. Ar he's in the yeah. beginning. He's in. He's in the this one. He's in the beginning. Uh, when they're doing the arms deal with the dogs, that he's in the beginning of that. And in, in uh, Dark Knight, and in Dark Knight Returns, he's the uh, judging the kangaroo court. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they wow. do an amazing yeah, job tying in these characters, which is it just, you know, from a fanboy perspective, it's like, oh my God, it's so cool how they were able to. And, uh, and honestly, watching The Dark Knight and seeing Harvey Dent, I was like, oh, the first time I'm watching The Dark Knight, not knowing anything, I'm like, oh, they got Harvey Dent, so he's going to be the villain in the next movie. Oh, yeah. wait, no, now? <laughs> uh, but it's also amazing that they didn't start with the Joker, which is brave, really brave, because they could have, did very like it's the same thing with superman my biggest problem with superman is stop fucking starting with lex stop yeah just stop yeah. like stop every time you make a movie every like, single movie. yeah 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 every <laughs> like we movie, got it yeah. you know i got a real um, estate scheme yeah so i'm Everyone. it's great <laughs> that they did that like to start with you know scarecrow and then race and you know well um, it's it, it's like gordon points out at the end it's what you're doing right now is setting the precedent of, of escalation. If you, yeah. you know, you're wearing them. What's to stop these, these crazies from now wearing a mask, take this guy, for instance, and he hands yeah. him the, the playing card. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I kind of, 
I kind of wish that um, Christopher Nolan would have gone on and did a couple more because there was talk of like Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing the Riddler and things like that. No, he Jason Gordon, he would have been amazing as a Nightwing. He would have been the next Batman and and a rejection to that because he was given the helm and and imagine trying to be that and being like, yeah, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to be the good guy. Sometimes I have to be the bad guy and that's what Nightwing is. So I think it would have been a- Well, he would have to become Robin before he became Nightwing though, as far as like to follow the procession. Cause you can't, I don't know if you can just have Nightwing show up without that Robin backstory. No, but like the last one kind of ends with Batman saying here, take my legacy, right? And so he could start at trying to be a Batman and and you, they alluded to two, they alluded to two boys that- uh Jason Gordon Levitt, like his character was interacting with in in the height sort of area. And mm. those characters could be one of them could have been his Robin, right? And trying to do the right thing and 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 saying that you thought this is a Batman you know, but it's not. Like this is, you know, a different Batman who mm. now is starting the legacy of the Robin and Batman, right? Like you so it's it would have been amazing. I don't know why they just didn't, because he would have been fantastic being in this. So I like, take it know. nobody likes George Clooney's Batman. <laughs> I mean, there's it, what's the, it, there's nothing to do. He's George Clooney. It's you yeah. just you just have He's to just George like, I, I enjoy it for the schlock it is. Oh yes. It's a it's a one thing you don't You know, like Uma Thurman, she was great. I think the best part about the film is the villains, not, not, again, I I go back to that, you know. That that also has to do with that if you you look at the 89 Batman and the Batman Returns, if you look at it, Michael Keaton doesn't get mentioned at all in any of the critic stuff or anything like that. It's all about how great Jack Nicholson is, how great Michelle Pfeiffer is, oh, Danny DeVito, oh, what's Pee Wee Herman doing in this? And you know, that's pretty much all the press that you get. And Michael Keaton's pretty not mentioned at all. There's nothing about his performance. It's really hard to find critical um, about his performance. They, it's almost like he's not even in it sometimes. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm surprised he actually could do something more than Beetlejuice. That's pretty much what they say. That's it. You know, and I was look at surprised Michael to see him in the role of Batman when that came out. Well, I, I mean, I love him nice, in it, though. It's nice to be surprised that, that, you know, that he's in it, but it would be nice to someone that actually mentioned it if they liked him or not. Yeah. That's, you know, that's right. I've come to think that I haven't you, seen a review. You mentioned Kim Basinger kind of suffering after Batman, but Michael Keaton, I don't remember him in shit after Batman. He didn't do much after this because I mean, again, it's like, imagine doing a film that you think is going to launch you, you know, into something and it just doesn't, you know, well, no, there's a, there's a reason, there's a reason behind that. Michael Keaton was frozen out for a while. Michael Keaton's contract was to do five Batman films. He dropped out of the second one, so he his, his he was frozen out of the movie industry for a while. Oh, so they're like, "Well, you're done completely." Got it. He yeah. he broke his contract. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, um, which is well, a shame because that, even the one with Michelle Pfeiffer and like I, I mean, again, a Catwoman. If there was ever a Catwoman, Jesus. <laughs> like and Danny DeVito, like I mean, that was you know. You know, I have to there say that Batman Returns has a lot more um, emotional resonance than the first Batman nineteen eighty nine. only because yeah. I think it, I think it's that Penguin storyline that's quite heartbreaking, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, 
And that kind of gives it that. I mean, to be honest, that was more heartbreaking than seeing Bruce Willis. The Danny DeVito penguin story? Yeah. 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 I thought he was just a nasty little shit. No, no, but it's sad what happened. He was born born the way he was born. His parents are like, ew, like dump that in the water. Like they just dumped dumped him in a river like like unwanted cats. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. well, I mean, did you see him? but the thing is it gave, it gave you a lot more it's like oh my god these parents are actually killed their child you know what yeah. i mean yeah, and, and yeah. I was, he that, was such a nasty little, little he was he was a disgusting human being in that movie danny DeVito yeah, was but, so good at that though. well he was raised in the sewers i mean so yes. in the sewers by penguins i know <laughs> i was gonna say that's a very um <laughs> maybe in the bronx the penguins just are like hey we're gonna we're gonna go down and have our own little those well, Gotham Zoo penguins are, are a lot more harsher than the Lincoln Park Zoo. Yeah, and, yeah. Big. Yeah, and, and big. And it does <laughs> and that does play into um, Tim Burton's strength, which is snow. <laughs> he yeah. loves the snow. Yeah, loves the snow. <laughs> he loves his wintry flail. You know, he loves yeah. his flurries. So it works well with that. I thought that was one of the darker films. One. That oh, it's absolutely. Oh, is. definitely. I mean, look at and and even Catwoman. You know, Selena gets pushed out a window like that. I know. I mean, that was a dark ass scene. I just well, thought it was you know, funny when she goes to the, yeah. her and Batman realize who they are. Does this mean we have to start fighting again? <laughs> <laughs> but I I also think with Batman Returns, I think that Tim Burton had a lot more clout. He was left alone. I don't. I think yeah. Batman. That's the first one. He wasn't left alone. No, there was a, probably a lot of fighting going on with productions and all the other stuff going through. Yeah, that makes a ton of money. It's like, okay, you do this because he wanted. He did Batman Returns because he wanted to do Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, that's well, he, got a, he got a bigger budget, right? So you do well the first time around, you get a bigger budget to do even better. You know. Well, it also gives you clout that you can do what you want. Yeah. And then that led to all the parents reviling Batman Returns because I remember we sell these toys and Happy Meals. Oh, yeah, yeah. you got Cat Catwoman being. <laughs> hypersexual and the movie's so dark penguin bites off a guy's nose there's child abduction there's all this really dark stuff in the movie so you can't can't help but laugh it's like a parent don't really know about comic books do they (laughs) clearly no they don't they really that's what happens when you leave tim burton alone is tim burton's gonna give you dark yeah penguin action figure with nose biting action (laughs) happy meals have gotten so freaking lame now (laughs) and even even when uh what's what was the guy who is the other guy the mayor dude who selena you know Catwoman just fries him him, you know at the end you know as max Uh, shrek which again tim burton's tim burton's love for classic horror he names Christopher Walken's character after uh, the, the guy who plays Nosferatu. Well, he always tells the story that he was uh, deathly afraid to work with Christopher Walken, and he was he was dreading asking him to be a part of this movie. He wanted really? to be good for it, but he was he was scared to death of him because of his performances. He thought he really was the guy that he played on screen, <laughs> and then he brought him back for Sleepy Hollow too. Yeah, yeah, and he was terrifying in that, so he knew, he knew what he was talking about. I love and the same thing he did with Fangoria back in back when Sleepy Hollow was coming out because uh they uh because of the CGI for the Headless Horseman they had to put a blue hood on uh, on Christopher Walken for the scenes where he's headless and he was joking that uh he's making the world's most ex- uh, most expensive Santo movie 
Yeah, he's positively evil in that. I love him uh, in the Headless Horse. Oh, he looks terrifying. Christopher Walken. I mean, he's scary as shit. Terrifying. I mean, he is probably the scariest horseman I've ever seen, as far as any of them. And then he threw all that scariness away to dance in a music video. Like, now we think of him as a nice little cuddly person, don't we? Like a <laughs> hairspray. Video. Yeah, loves to dance. Uh, uh, weapon of choice. Weapon by, of uh, choice Fat by Slam. Slam. Boy Slim. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember that. Now someone else is gonna go have watch it. It's actually a really uh, good video. It's directed by Spike Jones. It's a really, really great. Oh, video. I was gonna say, it can't be that bad. And Christopher Walken, before he became a serious actor, was actually a dancer. Um, yeah. I never knew that. I didn't he tries that. to slip in a dance scene in every, it was small or big in every single I one of his movies. I didn't know that. Yeah. I just think Including he's like Deer Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> I love Deer well, Hunter. Don't get me going. I mean, and the thing about it, if you look at Christopher Walken's career, no matter what he plays, it is kind of a choreographed acting that he kind of does with everything he does. There's all, everything has a purpose. Everything has an exact mood. Will he ever live down the more cowbell moment? I doubt it. Um, I was reading an interview with um, about Christopher Walken. They said that R- R- Christopher Walken's like Robert Preston in The Music Man, which basically means that when Robert Preston did The Music Man, every note, every single time they filmed it, every single step, he was everywhere he needed to be every single time. And he had to do each number, they had to do number like 20 to 25 times so that we can get it. And he'd be every exact every time. Christopher Walken was the same way. Anytime that you did a shot, it was the same exact way every single shot. Doesn't matter what he was doing or where he was at. They knew that no matter what you gave him, it was exactly the same. He was very metered and Which... measured like that directors love and editors love because that's it's easy to easy to cut around you then it's easy to cut things with you i always thought that it's, it's a shame that christopher walken came out after alfred hitchcock because alfred hitchcock probably would have used them in everything <laughs> you know because he was like boop 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 same same performance no matter what i remember no it was actually tony it was tony scott who said that when he did them for uh was it true romance or was it true romance yeah, he's in True Romance. Yeah, so I think I think it was an interview I was reading with Tony Scott saying about Christopher Walken when he was doing True Romance. So I think I, I, I remember the the first short film I tried to direct. Um, one of the actresses did not understand that when I did uh, when I did another shot, I need you to try to do it as close to the to the way you did it the first time as possible. And like she was like, but. I want to give you a different performance. So you have stuff to cut. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't understand. If I'm going from this angle to this angle, you need to act exactly the same way. Like exactly the shooting same. it on this on this angle, so we can actually edit it later. She was. Did you guys there. catch that uh, when they were when all the prisoners were released from Arkham? They 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 briefly showed Doc uh, Mr. Zaz. Yeah, Zaz killer. was one Did of the characters. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. I didn't catch that. I'm well, they that. show Zaz later too in, in the, the courtroom. The fog. Yeah, well, Rachel, yeah, in the fog too. Uh, that's where Rachel calls out Scarecrow for uh, you know, basically giving bad psychological exams and committing. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. He played the um, he, the Victor Hugo character, sort of yeah. the, that way. So I think what we'll do is why don't we give a comparison of which you like best, if there is a one that you like best. So starting with you, Vicky, which do you like better, Batman Begins or Batman from 1989? I like them both. I don't know. I I, I can't. I, the, the differences are there. There is a lot. 
that I mean, as far as saying I like one over the other, because 1989 was like yeah, but you got to pick one. The the endings of one of the best decades of my life. So if you if they were dangling from wires, you have to pick between one of them, or they both die. Well, I like it a lot better if they wouldn't do it with Blu-ray. But no, I'd have to say, as far as production-wise, it would have to be Batman um, Begins, just because. Okay. I mean, now, everyone, no, else, just, now everyone else doesn't have to pick one. Only Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fuck Sucker. off, man. He does this to me all the time. I'm so overwhelmed with the <laughs> testosterone coming through my computer. But mm-hmm. they're both great. But as far as production and, and for just basic coolness, you have to go for Batman Begins. But I still love Michael Keaton and his version. I do. It's a, they both get a bit huge thumbs up, over five stars, either way. I mean, I can't see where you go wrong watching either one of them. And what about yourself, Joe? I love them both, but I mean, if you're gonna ask me story like like set design-wise, it's it's the 89 Batman, but story-wise and just the acting, the story, the better yeah. overall package is Batman Begins. It's and the, the way the story's told is much more. Um, uh, Do you think they jumped off the old one for like a storyboard kind of thing, and then well, we're gonna do this different. They did this, so let's do that. You know, I mean, they could because they well, have better effects and stuff. Well, maybe to a degree, but I feel like just, I mean, Bert, Burton, like we said earlier, you know, before Burton did this, the mass media view of batman was adam west so burton kind of changed the game but i mean if we're just talking like i'm just looking at both of them on my shelf right now like if we're talking about like just which one's just a better overall movie just more satisfying of a story more satisfying uh villains and all that stuff it's batman begins well maybe it's hard. They're both Nick, good. Nick, Nicholson, Nicholson's so over the top that, that 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 he's great, and I feel like maybe this one this one didn't build the villains up as much because it, it, it kind of split it between three of them. But they were all very well done. Batman Begins, I feel like, just a better movie overall. What Still about yourself, John? Uh, I am going to say Batman Begins just because I am a huge, I am a fanboy of Nolan's versions of these films. Um, I could say that there are a lot of qualities about, you know, uh, the other Batman. Batman, what, what's the first one? Batman, right? Batman. Yeah. Batman. So Batman. the first Batman, I mean, it's had to set a bar, right? Because that was the first Batman film. Right. And I think they did an amazing job pulling elements from a comic book and turning it into something and making something out of it. I feel like the story is more about the villain and Gotham than it was about Bruce and Batman. Um, this, you know, again, had everything to me. So, you know, I'm going to say Batman Begins. What about yourself, Sean? Uh, you've, everyone's making compelling arguments. I'm honestly torn myself. Uh, I'd probably say the better movie is Batman Begins. I have a fondness in my heart for Nicholson as the Joker. I think that his- It's hard to diss that. It really is. He's amazing. It it transcends the entire first four movies, the, the original four. So it's kind of hard to not to overlook that. I also love the look of Tim Burton's Gotham. I yeah, think it's absolutely gorgeous. And I I also appreciate the fact that they kind of just hit the ground running. He's already Batman in this world. But Batman Begins is the better movie. It is without a without question the better movie. And 
I always do have a, a soft spot in my heart in my heart for uh, Killian Murphy as the Scarecrow. I think he's fantastic in that role. Oh and, yeah, and he really jumps out. He so is really Batman good. Begins, Batman begins for me. On myself, I'm going to say Batman Begins. I prefer that. I can watch that anytime, though. I do give a nod to Batman the 1989 Tim Burton because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have my beloved Batman animated series, which I think is one of the best yeah. things I've ever, you know, yeah. I ever have. And it I had such a love for that, admit. which also leads to Batman Beyond, which also yeah. gives me a, you know, um, more and the Batman combo. video games that are that are huge now are kind of off yeah. to Burton and too. It, it, so. it's, it's all based on the Tim Burton one, so I can't I can't overlook it. Um, and I do, I kind of like that. I like the stylization of the Batman. I just kind of wish. I don't think Tim Burton was one hundred percent invested in it. It just has that kind yeah. of a thing, and I and that's it lacks the emotional resonance. And if it had that emotional <laughs> resonance, I would be all over it, sort of thing. I, yeah. I think, but I find, but I find myself if I'm going to watch a Batman film of that of the the 89 to 90s films i tend to go from batman returns before i hit this batman which yeah is, i'm which the is same way for a yeah. sequel i think so. it's also they listen to maybe the fans of the first movie they listen to the fans of the comic books and they're like hey if you just did these things it would be a much stronger movie." and they took that knowledge and were like you know only if the walking dead listened to its fans <laughs> yeah no <laughs> The thing is, as far yeah. as rewatchability, I feel like the '89 Batman is maybe more rewatch friendly because it's so light, because it's it's kind of more lighthearted. But yeah, like like Keith said, I feel like Burton wasn't invested in the storytelling. He was more invested in I'm going to make reference to Vincent Price movies. I'm going to I'm going to have I'm going to have the Batmobile going through through Axis Chemicals through Bay Four which the way it's spelled out looks like Bava, so he could pay tribute to Mario Bava. No kidding. Won- I didn't- if, you, if you look at it, it looks like it says Bava because it's Bay 4 that he's going yeah. through. Mario yeah. Bava is Tim Burton's favorite director. I did not um, notice that. Jerry Hall's mask. He paid homage to uh, Eyes Without a Face with Jerry Hall's mask. Absolutely on that one. Uh, Sam yes. Ham, uh, Sam Ham on record said that that's what what they were going for. So Burton was more interested in I want to make I want to make the matte painting from Hammer Films as <laughs> you know as a, you know as an entire you know movie that I feel is like what he was going for. I felt like that's maybe where he was focused. He wanted to create like this visual this visual thing and story be damned. But I think it makes, you know, it makes the movie more fun. Whereas Batman Begins isn't as much fun. It's just a much better movie. It's a much better story, much better narrative. Batman 1989 reminds me of an afternoon movie where Batman Begins is something you want to see in the evening. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's kind of yeah. a matinee. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can just put it on like on a Sunday. Well, and just like, okay, it's a, it's a rainy Sunday. Or it's almost a little bit dark, though, is all the other shit that it goes down. Or it also just feels like something begins, that's a little bit of like a, a mystery of it, right? Like kind of like the Bond. Yeah. The Bond movies give you a little bit of a mystery to make you think. Whereas like, you know, Batman, you just sit back and watch. And you're like, oh, that's a cute scene. Oh, that's funny. You know, like you, you don't really have to think about what's going on. You just you see it versus and all Batman three of the begins, Nolan films. You have to watch it. Think about what the hell? Wait, what's going on? And who's doing what? <laughs> you know, like. You got to pay attention to Batman Begins, where Batman, you can just watch it. <laughs> Batman Begins, you have to pay attention, I think. I think that maybe that's the two differences. Yes, absolutely. 
yeah. yeah, you do have to you do have to watch it more and you do have to pay more attention. But at the same time, it's it's just so much. It, it still it still keeps you engrossed. Batman Begins still keeps you engrossed. Like last night watching it, I I needed to go get water and I didn't want to pause it to go get it water. It just brings out the kid in you. It really does. So I mean, everybody like when when it's done that they have done their job. When you don't want to go take a leak. You know that they have done a good job, and that's just the way this movie is just riveting. It is Batman Begins. I can't, you can't sing it's old enough. This is the end of the Literature License Podcast. Our next make-remake episode will be The Mummy from 1932 and The Mummy from 1999. Um, uh, the, again, The Mummy course, and Bride of Frankenstein are playing at uh, Fathom Events on October 1st. I know, I'm so looking for Fathom, Fathom Events. events go check it out. Now I'm looking for see, those. You can go see The 32 Mummy on the big screen. I am looking forward to that one. Oh, Sorry I would to cut love you off, it. Sorry to cut you off. No problem at all. And of course, um, next week we'll be doing our M&M, which is Monsters and Mad Men. We'll be doing The Shape of Water by Del Toro and The Creature from the Black Lagoon double feature. And of course, next um, next month, we'll, we start again with our books of screen, which will be Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, but with Betty Davis and Livy de Havilland. But we'll also be doing the book that is based on by Henry Farrell called Whatever Happened to Cousin Charlotte. And of course, our Batman be um, our Batman anime series will continue with the next four episodes, which will be from Pay Attention, Vicky. Shut up! <laughs> I have to go through and find all the episodes. They are not in order. They aren't. So we'll be we'll be covering the episodes: Pretty Poison, The Underdwellers, POV, and of course, The Forgotten. And of course, Doctor Who from our sister from podcast episodes. Will who are now conglomerated into us will be doing their doctor who and their next one will be doctor who versus the daleks from 1964 wow so it's good night for myself good night vicky good night everybody good night joe good night everyone good night sean good night everybody good night john good night folks and see you next week for the shape of water and the creature from the black lagoon looking back at my past where i had to had to make a choice about my purpose in life what i did was that i slid myself into and i made a choice in favor of survival what i did was that i split myself into yeah and today Inside. You wanna fight all night Lonely one sister got outside Lonely passion is the sky There is a man deep inside You wanna fight all night Lonely one sister got outside Lonely passion is the sky Now I look at myself and what I see Is a man who's lying to himself Oh why? That's a price too high to be paid for now And the man inside is getting stronger and stronger What I did 
You wanna fight all 